Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 311. And we got a doozy here for you tonight. Super pumped up. Got the boys, Stag Party and Houdini on the line. We're doing this remotely again, second uh, week in a row that we're not together. But gives us uh, more time to uh, do a longer show. And the show tonight is going to be sweet. Fantasy goo all around. Wide receiver wake-up call. We're going to go pretty deep into the receivers. I don't know. We're going to go maybe like 70 or 80 deep. Uh, but then we're going to kind of cover some dudes a little bit lower um, after that if we feel like they're worth talking about. So what's going on, fellas? How's it goes over there in the other parts of Chi-Town? Oh, it's going good, man. You know, it's uh, the heat's about to come, and, and I'm about to get out of it and go to Southern California, so I couldn't be happier. Uh, you know, and uh, they also, they put the, I don't know if I'd mentioned this last week, but they put one of those uh, pianos in the park here, so people have been coming by and playing it. Pretty cool. So the nice. neighborhood, neighborhood's doing well. Pianos in the park, huh? That's an interesting concept. I've never seen that. Um, yeah, everything's good here. Had a rough weekend, but finally fully recovered. Got a little sunburned show, but we'll be all right. Yeah, I was actually with Stag Party last weekend for um, our boys' 40th. Went to Arlington Racetrack. Some good times, some good drama, some fights, some over-drinking, some some good times all around. I I had a blast. I was up – I was one of the last people out with uh, Demo and – one of our favorite guys who actually asked about you, Houdini, um, Eric Steinbach was out. So I was, I was throwing uh, throwing some beers back with that guy all night. What a piece of work he is. Trying to keep up drinking with that guy is called what I like to say, and I got a pretty sizable tolerance, a mistake. Um, I sat around the whole day Saturday just renting movies. I literally probably spent like $30 on pay-per-view on Sunday. <laughs> Um, but yeah, good times, you know, I think in general, I think it's important to know when you're talking about wide receivers, you never know what's going to happen. There's some staples that are in there, but even just look at last year, last year in early August, DeAndre Hopkins is ADP. He was the 12th wide receiver, 28th overall pick. Obviously this year uh, with the way he ended and how things went last year, it's going to change, but you just don't know who's going to be the wide receiver one. So Keep listening to the show, pay attention, do your tears throughout between now and when your draft's at. Um, you know, roll the dice on a few guys that you think have some upside. We'll all talk about them here during this show and reasons why you think a guy might have that upside. But get some uh, tried and true guys, get some consistency, get some dudes that you know that are, are, are bound to play 16 games, and then roll the dice on a couple guys you think are in good situations that if all the stars align and everything comes together, the guy could be, you know, a tier one or a top 20 wide receiver, but you're drafting him uh, as, you know, like the 60th wide receiver. That is serendipitous. That's why we're here doing this show. So we're going to be going off of the pyro draft kit that uh, we released about exactly a week and a half ago. That's version one stag parties, little baby. The thing's been selling quite nicely. It's been great. You can pick it up yourself from our website. Um, it is a $15 early bird is happening right now. That ends on the 1st of July. So you got a few days here left 
to get it for 15 bucks. If you want to wait, no big deal. It just goes up five dollars to 20, uh, 23 tabs. Uh, we'll, let's do a little bit of a promotion throughout here and there throughout the show because I know I'm personally going to be bouncing around from a bunch of tabs uh, to get information for the show. Sure, you two guys are as well. But this uh, draft, this podcast is going to be going off of um, uh, the the sixth tab, and that is the ranks all position tab. Um, so we're going to just be talking about wide receivers. And we will start with our one, and we're going to kind of do them. Houdini's like, oh, he's not going to mention it. We're going to kind of do it in five-player blocks um, to help us kind of the ability to intertwine and talk and intersperse thoughts and comments uh, amongst guys that are somewhat grouped together. And I'm sure here and there we'll talk about tiers and where we have them and all that stuff, who's high on the guy. And I've got a few questions for the guys, and we got to answer some questions from people that asked us these on Twitter. So we're going to start. Antonio Brown, number one wide receiver, has been a badass for years. Dag party, what do you got? I mean, at this point, if Antonio Brown's not your number one wide receiver, I probably look at your rankings and shun you and don't look back. Like, the guy's been the model of consistency, so what you're betting on is him just slowing down. But his skill set is, you know, savvy and ability to create separation, even against double teams. And that's not something that's going to go away as quickly as maybe speed and or quickness. So that gives him, you know, the number one spot pretty easily. When we talk about this five-player group, it's Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas. And if you want to have a guy who's in consideration for number two, I'd say that's between Odell, DeAndre, and Julio. Um, And Michael Thomas is probably a notch tier below that, in my opinion. Uh, So I think those four wide receivers are in the first-round conversation. Uh, You know, Brown's the cleanest. Brown, you know, since breaking out, he hasn't had a down season. He's always played, you know, 14 or so games in a year. Your only real issue is if you play in a week, week 17 league, which is stupid, you know, sometimes you don't have him for that week week 17 contest. So Brown Brown's our consensus number one. I think that's the first time that's happened, um, you know, between a few guys. But, yeah, Antonio's locked in. I think over the last five years, Antonio Brown has 101 more catches than anybody else uh, at wide receiver. So 101 more catches. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I mean, he led the league last year in receiving, and he missed, like, what, three game, almost three games uh, toward the end of the year. So he – when I look at the top, this, this group of five, it's Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, and DeAndre Hopkins to me that are clearly – the standout three and, and Julio Jones sits outside of that for me. And the main reason is touchdown potential. Uh, Antonio Brown, ODB and Hopkins all have the potential to, you don't have to worry. They're, they should be at least close to 10, if not have the potential to explode for more. Now i finally have listened to you stags. That's why Julio Jones is my number four. I, you know, all the tea leaves always seem to have to be right. And here's this guy who's an ama- immense talent, can jump uh, outside the building, yet he doesn't make the impact in the red zone. And I don't see that changing uh, this year in that offense. I, I figure he's going to be 
uh, probably a, a six, six to, to nine touchdown at the high end. So to me, it's, it's clear. And that's where Julio, I still put a notch above Michael Thomas, but I like Thomas a lot too, just because if you're looking for consistency uh, with a quarterback that uh, is going to lean on him as a, as a veteran, and again, to have a running game to take pressure off it. So uh, that's how I like the, these five. I think the one thing that I, that I I think that Julio will be uh, be better off this year than he has before. Um, you know, I still have Antonio higher than him, but Julio Jones gets double teamed so much more than than Brown does, just because of the, the just all the different weaponry that, uh, that that the Steelers have. I think hopefully Ridley will be able to help him a little bit. Um, Sanu's been getting better and better each year, and I think that, that having a little bit more consistency because of the um, offensive system and everything being in place for a year longer. I I just think Julio is – don't sleep on Julio. Um, I think he's going to be hungry. I don't want him to get signed, actually, to a long-term deal. I want him to be hungry and mad and just kind of destroy the league. Um, But, yeah, Antonio Brown's a guy. I just think Julio is also going to drop a little bit. Um, I just – God, if if, if Julio wasn't always double-covered by the best – DB and, and and just he's he's almost triple covered sometimes. So let me ask you a question. So yeah. like to me, I look at, at Brown, ODB, and uh, or OBJ, uh, uh, Hopkins. Those three for me are for sure. I will take in the first round. Julio Jones is a guy that you know toward the very end uh, of the round. I would I would want him. And Michael Thomas to me is I I want to get if I'm going to go there toward the beginning of the second round. Um, there otherwise I think there's running backs that I'd rather take that we talked about last week. So where do you have these guys as far as in your draft? For me, I think, you know, I, I think you like to get these running backs last year in many drafts. I went high on, on, uh, wide receivers. I was psyched to get, um, Julio, you know, in the middle of the late first round. And then when you do that, you see the drop off and the cliff at the running back position, where in round four through seven, there's still a bevy of wide receivers that are around. So as much as I love Julio and as much as I'm a wide receiver guy, um, and it, it honestly depends on, on who that running back is in the end of the first, uh, but I, I'm probably going to go running back still just because the, the, the position capital is so much higher at running back and the shelf kind of really hits, hits and falls off you know, around – there's guys I like lower, but around about running back 15 is when it's a little bit more of a roll of the dice. And then you start getting into a lot of rookies that you might be going. There's a lot of guys that might be in committees. Um, so I, I, I would still probably in the end of the first round uh, more likely to go with a running back. But I do. Julio's my favorite player, and I, I've, I've been burned before, so who knows what I would do. Yeah. Thanks. That's sort of the same with me. It's going to vary on roster construction, which draft pick I have. Um, you know, right towards pick five or six, um, usually Brown's off the board. And then you're left with, uh, you know, is it DeAndre Hopkins or, you know, maybe an Odell Beckham? Or are you looking at this maybe next tier of running backs? Are you looking at guys like Saquon, Alvin Kamara, Melvin Gordon, these guys with big, you know, touch upside in terms of receptions and, you know, to go along with their carrying prowess, you know, the 
the secondary bell cows after the top, top elites go. So it's really going to depend on roster construction. I do like my rosters when I load up on RBs early and then take shot after shot after shot after shot after shot at wide receiver, especially in best ball leagues where I don't have to choose who to pay on a week play on a weekly basis. Um, it, it just gives so much flexibility that I can have some down weeks from some of these boom or bust receivers, but also have those boom weeks get in my lineup. Yep. I think one thing also to remember is last a year ago, um, just going by some of the, um, let's say, fantasy football calculator, like they, they're one of the few mock drafting tools, one that starts really early. Maybe that's different this year, but also that lets you go back in past years. Um, and, uh, last year, it, um, Julio Jones was the number one consensus wide receiver. Right now I'm looking at average draft position based on fantasy pros and they're doing that based off of four mocking sites. And, you know, Julio Jones is now sitting there at the fourth wide receiver and 13th overall. So if you're able to get Julio Jones in the early part of the second round and um, you got one yeah. of those kind of still upper end tier, top couple tier running backs, that is a great foundation. Yep, that's definitely true. Uh, that's, you know, when I, I rank the draft picks for somebody – so it sort of goes five, four, three, two, one, uh, 12, 11, 10, 9, 7, 8, right? Like there, there's a weird flow I feel about the draft. Um, and I really don't like the exact middle, but, you know, that's just personal preference. And then the players that I see coming back in the second and third rounds, um, you know, I, I really prefer those early picks this year because it feels like, you know, even the top of the third round is a little bit stronger because you're you're out here still getting guys like T.Y. Hilton um, who have been top, you know, six or seven wide receivers with the healthy Andrew Luck, uh, and you're getting them in the beginning of the third round, and they've got big, big upside. Cool. Well, let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas in the mix a little bit, and, and then and then we can move into that next uh, batch of, of five guys. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, was the number one wide receiver last year going into uh, drafts and a year ago when we're talking about wide receivers in this position. Everyone's a little uncertain. You know, they got DeAndre, uh, uh, Sean Watson. Um, you, you know that he's probably going to be inserted into that lineup uh, at some point, probably you're thinking back then, probably more like week eight, uh, maybe middle of the season, more like Mitch Trubisky was. But lo and behold, friggin' Savage comes out and throws up a stinker in the first half. And, um, you know, Watson is, is in at halftime of the first game, and it's just all of a sudden gangbusters for DeAndre. Um, do you think DeAndre is going to be – Overdrafted? Do you like? Do you still think he's? I mean, he's a he's a top five, top six pick now. Um, do you like that stock for him? And then you know, if you got something to say on him, Houdini, great. And then let's talk about Thomas. Yeah, with with Hopkins, I, I think he's sort of locked in as a top five wide receiver. Uh, I do see th- some things coming back to earth, like his touchdowns last season. They're out of this world. Usually, when you know guys are scoring thirteen plus touchdowns you know, in the high teens, they're having that sort of come back to earth season. 
but he's also got the upside for a little bit more in, in the catch department. We've seen him catch 111 passes. We've seen a little bit more previously in his yardage totals. And you look at his splits with uh, Sean Watson on the field, and he was on a crazy pace, and, and that touchdown pace was even higher than it ended up being. Um, and it, and that's even with his teammate Will Fuller going off, at, you know, sort of simultaneously. But that's, you know, something that's likely to regress, uh, especially in terms of Deshaun Watson's own touchdown rate. So I, I could see him taking a backseat. But then you've got Odell, and you look at Odell, you know, who might be the consensus number two, or it's probably locked in at Hopkins at this point, and we're just a little different. But you look at the weapons he has around him now that he's never had, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and uh, Saquon Barkley. These guys are going to demand a lot of targets. Is he going to be able to keep up, you know, his elite, elite target share, or is that going to get knocked down a few points uh, to maybe knock him down a little bit on the total bowl, you know, and, and give a guy like Julio or Michael Thomas uh, a shot to ascend the throne. Do you think that Michael Thomas, um, do you, you, you want to say something on, um, on DeAndre Houdini? No, I'll wait for Michael Thomas. Cool. Uh, Michael Thomas, there's another guy, you know, is he going to be a Julio-esque? He's, what, he had five touchdowns last year. Um is, and they've added more weaponry there. It seems like that offense is going is, to is, – there's more known commodities happening. Uh, with Ingram out, I feel like they're going to have to pass a little bit more out of the gates. Uh, are you worried about with Michael, Tom, uh, Michael Thomas that, um, that his touchdowns are going to kind of stay in that Julio lower zone and that's going to cap him? Well, I, I think that Michael Thomas has a great chance to, to be a disprover of that early in the season while – uh, Mark Ingram serves his suspension. And as far as the other competition he's dealing with, um, you know, what are we talking about? We're talking about Cam Meredith, who's coming off of a really bad injury, and we'll see exactly what he, he brings to the table. Uh, you got Ted Ginn there, right? So he's going to not really kind of do the same thing that Michael Thomas does. You know, who's the real uh, tight end threat that you have there in New Orleans that's going to really steal from Michael Thomas? You know, Ben Watson, Josh Hill, you know. So to me, I look at Michael Thomas as a guy who early on, especially if with Alvin Kamara, if they're not able to really uh, dedicate themselves as much to the run game, they're going to have to go to the pass. That's only going to benefit Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas is a little bit of a standard enigma, right? Is he going to score more like the nine touchdowns that he did in his rookie season? Or is he going to be a, you know, five to seven touchdown guy? But this all comes back to sort of Drew Brees and his passing touchdowns. Like that was sort of an anomaly. Like they threw as many passing touchdowns as they scored rushing touchdowns. That's not something that happens often in the NFL. So we should see an uptick in Drew Brees' passing production um, and that's only going to help a guy like Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, Thomas is a guy who dominated in the playoffs, dominated Xavier Rhodes, especially late in the second half, you know, scoring two touchdowns. That was his only two touchdown game of last season. And he had two of them during his rookie year. So he's got the ability to score touchdowns. And when they need to throw him those jump balls on fade routes, they can. He's got the size, he's got the body for it. Uh, they've just had so much success rushing it in on the short area that he got kind of, you know, slid last year. But, you know, 
I don't think he's ever going to be a mid-teens touchdown scorer, but could he have one of these seasons where he touches 10 touchdowns? I think that's absolutely in the range of outcomes. And when you look at, you know, this is a guy who can catch five passes every game. And when we talk about five for 50 guys, he's not one of them. He's a guy who's going to put up five for 75 or five for 80, and he's going to give you those solid points to go along with, you know, some of these 10 grab for 120 yard games. Yeah. I think also one thing that I'm happy to say, and maybe we'll get to him later, but and I, I think this helps Michael Thomas is seeing in the OTAs, seeing Cameron Meredith run and checking out that video. I know I retweeted it. Um, that scout that for the bears that's in my building that I talk football with all the time. They were, the bears were scared. Their doctor was saying this guy's knees fucked. Yet in the OTAs, you're seeing him maybe not 100%, but it didn't look like, as Staggs would say, he had too many warts on that knee. He looked like he was running crisp. He looked like he was. He looked like Cam Meredith and was ready to be on a team that actually uh, can get shit done in the passing game. So I think well, Cam, I think Cam Meredith. I think that the, the wide receiver crew is a little bit better than maybe we had bargained for because he looked pretty good. And who knows? Well, hold on. That with the eye test was was made me happy. I understand the eye test, but he didn't get hit. <laughs> so until he gets hit, I, I don't. I'm not. You know, don't don't trust it. You've always been a, you've always been a bully, Houdini. I like I like it. Back in in middle school, <laughs> like, yeah, he looks great, but I haven't hit him yet. Next five, next five batch. AJ Green. Wow, it's been a while since AJ Green has not been a top five locked and loaded wide receiver, but for good reasons. Um, as he self described, had a crummy season last year. Um, what are your thoughts with these guys? So let me just do the next five. Wide receiver six is A.J. Green. Wide receiver seven is um, Mike Evans. Keenan Allen, wide receiver eight. Wide receiver nine, Devonta Adams. And uh, Adam Thielen is coming in at wide receiver 10. Yeah. Let oh, me start this one off. Any of those no. guys jumping off the page? Well, I, when I look at it, it, this is kind of a – I'm not a, there's a couple guys that I, I like here, but where would I want them on my team? And, and most likely I'm probably uh, not necessarily going to be able to draft these guys unless I'm coming back in the second round. And in which case, I, I mean, AJ green is, is bound to bounce back, but that's still a very horrible offense that they have in Cincinnati. So that, that, that scares me there. Mike Evans. Well, they just lost uh uh, uh, what do you call it? Jameis Winston for three games to suspension, but it'll be, hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick starting three more games again for another year, which, which, which may not be horrible for Evans, but I think Keenan Allen and, and Devonta Adams, those two stand out to me as the guys that I really, really like here. And if I can wait and be lucky enough to, uh, if I'm drafting toward the front of the draft, uh, be like in the first three picks, be able to wait until the third round to be able to get one of these guys, that would be uh, phenomenal. But if uh, I, I, I can see Keenan Allen in PPR leagues, especially uh, going earlier than that. And, and I mean, Thielen's nice too, but I, I'm not, I don't, I, I feel that the way that my, my construct is going to be with these guys that I probably won't have them because I, I need to, I'm thinking I got to bolster more on the running back early 
And, you know, I just don't know that I would reach up for any of these guys. Yeah, so with AJ Green, so with AJ Green, um, he still did produce in the touchdown area, scoring eight of them last season. We talk about, you know, him playing 16 games, but that, you know, week nine tilt to Jacksonville where he got ejected early and we thought he was going to be ejected the next week. Um, you know, that took some playing time off him. He didn't really have any of those monster games that he did uh, previously, but he did put up against one of the better secondaries, 189 receiving yards in a touchdown, um, and had three 100-yard games last season. It, it just looked like him and Andy Dalton were a step off. Uh, but now that offensive line, you know, looks a little bit improved. So that's going to give Andy Dalton more time. They should have a rebound in the number of plays they run after being one of the slowest paced teams of the last decade. So these guys are going to, you know, have to throw the ball more um, and and make up some volume and and then they should still have a pretty good defense. So I think AJ green, you know, at the turn of one or beginning of two, preferably beginning of two, you know, he's a good value there. Mike Evans, I've been, you know, sacking up all day or all off season grabbing him you know around pick uh you know 18 he's going in the middle of the second round i've been able to grab him a bunch of times sometimes even at the end of the second round um when i could do that i'll take the chance for the touchdown rebound from this guy as he's had some elite touchdown seasons and also you know his numbers haven't changed drastically with ryan fitzpatrick Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, for going to Harvard and everything, is still a sort of fuck it, chuck it type of quarterback. Um, so he's he's got some upside after you know having arguably the worst season of his career, uh, with just over a thousand yards and five touchdowns. He's got that double digit standard point sort of threshold well within his range of outcomes. So I have no problem, you know, reaching up there. But, you know, especially in PPR leagues, Keenan Allen's a guy that's going to vault both of these guys for me, uh, especially with that stretch down the season last year. He he just dominated. You look at his numbers uh, over that time period, and the guy, like to say he was on fire, it's just an understatement, man. You, you know what you also have to add for Keenan Allen is that you don't have Hunter Henry. So that was a young guy that was going to take away potentially a bunch of targets. And, you know, that, that kind of clears the path for him because the tight end is not necessarily going to be as heavily targeted this year. Also with Allen, remember last year when he came back, he was coming off of another ACL injury, uh, torn ACL. So there was an unknown there and, and probably why you were able to get some value. You got a full season under your belt. It didn't end last year with any sort of injury. Comeback player of the year. Um, it, it, that, that sits pretty nice. For AJ Green, I feel like if I like Stag's point with, you know, he, he didn't have any of those monster games. For him, it was just like all his good stuff came in the first half of the season, and it was just a stink fest down the stretch. He, he literally, I don't think, I'm not looking at his game logs or anything, but I don't think he had a good game. Uh, in the last six or seven weeks. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I hope that 189-yard game didn't come then. But uh, well, Just week 13 against Pittsburgh, he had 77 yards, but did score two touchdowns. So that, that but was, other, than that, other than those two TDs, 
his second half. Tell me if I'm wrong. Again, I'm not looking at the logs. I should go to uh, do it. But I just had him on my team in a lot of leagues. And it was like second half. It was like I was literally all thinking about benching him. This is something that's never happened uh, with him at all. Last thing I'll say on uh, AJ Green, it doesn't matter as much for the wide receiver, but it's something worth noting. He turns 30 this year. Um, we know that it, him, like you said, I think it just felt off with him and Dalton. Um, I think it's, is it a, here's a question I got for you. Two things. And one, one this one's pointed at uh, Houdini question. Is it a good thing that the system stayed the same and they rehired Marvin Lewis uh, for AJ and Dalton, let's say, and fantasy owners? Let's not even talk about the Bengals. Is that a good thing in this case, or should they have blown it up? And for fantasy owners, would have been better if they brought in a new situation. I would imagine that it's a good thing because you're not having to learn a new system. I think the, the more important question is, will they have an effective running game to help take pressure off of the, of AJ green in the, in the passing game. And that remains to be seen, you know, is 3.5 yard per carry Joe Mixon coming back, or is it going to be someone who can actually gain over four yards of carry that, that remains to be seen. Mixon's can, can I, this year. But hold on one second. Yeah, go on, go on. I, I want to hop in. Are you fucking kidding me? Have you seen this offense? All they do is throw jump balls to AJ Green or run directly into the line of scrimmage with their running backs. These guys aren't creative at all. They couldn't find a fucking role for John Ross. Um, you know, one of the fastest players in the NFL, they couldn't find a role. They thought about switching him to cornerback. Are you fucking kidding me? So you're saying bad that the situation stayed the same? Bad, bad, bad. Got it. Okay. Now, Stags, this is for you. You, you mentioned earlier, um, and I saw, you know, you, you retweeted earlier today uh, with Rich uh, Rebar, um, the pace, and we have it as, as actually a chart in our draft kit uh, under the team tendency uh, tab. Uh, God damn it, Stags. That is a badass tab. I spent uh, right when you sent it over. That was a tab I went to first. I was like, what stag party goodies did he throw into this bitch? Um, but as trains go by, I'll talk louder. What tell our listeners and how important this is. And while we're talking about guys, you know, bring it up as a as a negative here or there or a positive pace of play teams and how that benefits wide receivers. Tell us a little bit about that because I think a lot of our listeners don't necessarily go to that minutia, but the more and more I've been reading into it, it makes a lot of sense. So pace of pay is just how many, you know, plays a team runs per game and you can, you know, equate it back to average, you know, what's the average number of plays the team should run. And then you can compare, you know, that team to average and see if they're running a lot of plays and why, or if they're, you know, an average team and you you want to be on the higher side because over the last, you know, 10 years, as pace and play started getting faster in the NFL, it also, you know, coincided with the spike in points. So we've seen some of these guys, you know, like Chip Kelly come from college and bring, you know, faster paced offenses that are a little bit easier to learn and the, you know, communication's not as hard on the field you know, a guy like Sean McVay is getting the play call in five seconds to Jared Goff so he can get up to the line of scrimmage, look at it, uh, and then if they need to change the play before that timer goes off, they can't. So these guys are, 
you know, being innovative within the rules and it's helping teams. So, you know, if they're on a high side, it's great. That's more volume. It's more opportunities. And we know when we talk fantasy football, we want to see those opportunities going to our players. But when you have a team like Miami, that's like a soul sucking <laughs> pace of play team, you know, with Dowell Loggins and, you know, Adam Gase, are they going to make it out of 800 and, 80 plays this year, they might be one of the slower-paced teams of the last decade again. Dowell's been notorious for that. Does that that always favor, though, you know, this being just wide receiver-focused show? Do you think pace of play, is there an anomaly or an outlier where these slower teams, maybe they're slower because, um, you know, I I don't know, they're more incompletes because they're throwing the ball more? Because they're bad at football like like they're not you know maximizing their chances they're not moving the ball early in downs they're doing run run past john fox things and and it just doesn't work in today's nfl like teams need to be able to throw the ball on first and second down and try and convert before there's ever a third down situation the best third down conversion Never fucking happens in a game. It's a team picking up seven yards on a curl route and, and then a three yard run on second. Like, so you true. know, why so is true. all talk about let's convert on third down? But you've got two other chances to do this. Like, CFL football, they've got, you know, three downs. They move. Yeah. I, I'll tell you another thing. I don't know that if you've ever looked it up, but I bet you there's a correlation. If you look at the teams, that are the slower pace of play, I bet you they probably have higher uh, off, off or um, illegal formation or illegal, uh, what do you call it, uh, pre, pre, pre-snap movement uh, because they're probably getting to the line with like f- six to five seconds left, whereas mm-hmm. the teams that are moving at the fast pace of play are calling and snapping the play with 12, 13, 14 seconds left on the clock. Makes sense. Um, okay, well, here, here's one thing that I'll say as we go in and, and let's round out the players in this in this second a bracket of five wide receivers. I've noticed when I'm doing M- MFL 10s, and I, I started doing a bunch at the beginning of the season, and I kind of slowed down just because I can't draft and, and not have it overtake my life, and those things take too long. So I'm like, I like just, I don't have the patience, and I'm like, keep looking back. I like wake up at six in the morning, making sure I'm not on the clock. So I've slowed down on those. But when I was doing them and when I'm doing mocks, this is a guy that I'm kind of, I just, just can't be all the way in. And I know I'm going to be wrong, and this guy's it's going to burn me, and hopefully you're going to right now talk me into him, <clears throat> and I'm going to use my tears and use this time to get better and love him more. But Adam Thielen, lovely guy. You know I love nothing more than a good wide, wide receiver. Uh, I'm a little scared of the guy. Uh, give me a reason not to be scared of him when he's a uh, uh, top 10 at the wide receiver position. He only scored five. Yeah, go ahead, Stegs. You go. You go. I I think you know it's it's a new quarterback coming in. I think that you know that he was highlighted last year in the way that everything happened. But at the same time, you don't know where Kirk Cousins is going to uh, have the better uh, timing and connection with. And so that's 
that's probably the biggest question mark. It's just that he had amazing uh, connection last year with Case Keenum, and it was just everything was working. So is that going to be the same way for Kirk, or is Kirk going to have a, a better connection with a Stephon Diggs because Diggs is maybe more reminiscent to, like, Jamison Crowder, who he was throwing to? Or, I, you know, maybe that, that, that to me is maybe the biggest concern, and he's only done it once. So, you know, you're, you're banking on, okay, you're going to come back and you're going to prove it again in, in the second year in a row, and that doesn't always happen. Yeah, we got to remember the reason Adam Thielen was so, you know, sort of sought after as a potential breakout target is because of his play down the stretch uh, of the previous season, which didn't include any, you know, Case Keenum. Um, it was a myriad of different quarterbacks, but mostly Sam Bradford. Um, so these guys, you know, anybody who's been under center has like throwing to this guy, and it's because he could play inside, he could play outside. Uh, the real issue with his game is, you know, we talk about these guys who don't score a lot of touchdowns and wide receiver scoring was just way, way down last season uh, that, you know, there's a probable you know trend of it bouncing back up this year. But to have 1,277 yards and four touchdowns is an absolute anomaly. Like, and you look at, you know, Julio Jones in that same thread to have 1,400 yards and three touchdowns never happens. Like, in the history of the NFL, never. Never has a receiver had 1,400 yards in a season and less than five receiving touchdowns. Like, these numbers just don't work out. Usually, yards will eventually become a pretty good indicator of touchdowns. Uh, So for a guy like Kirk Cousins... That's something he, he can do. He has had struggles in the red zone, but, you know, Thielen's a guy with the big body and, you know, sort of that ranginess that you need. So he's also a big play threat and can make plays happen after the catch. So there, there's not too many warts to his game. And when, when you look at it, you know, before week 14, this guy didn't have a game with less than four receptions. Uh, and that was just one, and then the rest of his games were five, 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 nine, five, eight. Um, down the stretch, he did struggle a little bit, but I, I think he also popped up on the injury report late in the year, and they had already won a bunch of football games and weren't out there, you know, pressing this guy. Um, you know, with Kirk Cousins, this is a team that had the second highest run rate in the league last year. With, with Cousins under center and you're paying them, you know, $100 million, you'd think they're going to run that much. They've got a totally new offensive system. Got John DeFilippo, um, you know, taking over for Pat Shermer. That could be a big impact. But, you know, Thielen looks locked in as a sort of safe option with more sort of touchdown upside. And, you know, after scoring five of touchdowns in 16 games on just 92 targets like so so that's the only real worry with Thielen I think is touchdowns I think uh, I think, uh where do you like where do you like I'm getting a reverb um but I, where do you like him as far as you know there's a there's a good tweet by Evan Silva back in late May um about underrated camp battles. What do you think about Thielen? Do you like him more in the slot or do you like him more on the outsides? Um, you know, cause that battle between Kendall Wright and Laquan uh, Treadwell 
will kind of dictate, you know, how he plays on, on opposite of Diggs. Where, where do you like dealing? You like him moving around? You like him playing a lot of slot? Yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think it's going to be a lot of rotation between Laquan Treadwell and, you know, Kendall Wright. Uh, I think Kendall Wright's likely to be the preferred, you know, three wide receiver option we have to pass. And, you know, on first, second down, whether it's maybe a threat of run or, you know, trying to get Laquan Dreadwell deep down the field on a fly route um, off play action, I think I think it's going to be a mixture of both. And I, I don't really care where Thielen plays. Like, this is a guy who played a ton of slot, uh, you know, previously, but, you know, switched to more of an outside role last year. Uh, and, and they sort of flip-flop roles. So uh, I, I prefer the flippy-floppy. Do you take – and then let's move on, unless you guys want to interject or something on any of these other guys. Do you like taking Thielen in the second round? Question for each of you. No. I much prefer the third round. Okay. Right now he's going about 27th. Um, so you're still, you're still in a 12-man or you're still getting him in the third. But, God, something tells me as things happen, little injuries go on and, and the hype train goes – with him and how him and Cousins are just on the same page, something tells me he's going to be more than most guys, including Mike Evans, for reasons we just talked about. Um, his quarterback is suspended. I feel like he's going to be a guy that's going to keep pumping up. Should we talk about anyone else in this? Uh, if not, we're going to go to a, uh, you know what? break. All right, let's break that shit. We're, we're going to break right now like Kevin Durant broke the NBA. Have a listen to our sponsor. All right. We didn't talk about Devontae Adams much that last round, which is okay. This batch of guys is not wide receiver 11. Stephon Diggs. Wow. Wide receiver 10 is Thielen. Wide receiver 11 is Diggs. Um, wide receiver 12 is T.Y. Hilton. Wide receiver 13 in our rankings is Doug Baldwin. 14, Allen Robinson. Man, he's high for us. I know I like him, but and wide receiver 15 is Larry Fitzgerald. If any of you guys do want to mention something about Adams at wide receiver 9, feel free to do it. I don't want our Packer fans and our, our Fresno folks to think we're uh, we're not giving uh, respect to a guy that's basically led the league in touchdowns. I think, what, two of the last three years? or the three? Yeah, but he was still second last year, right? Yeah, he, he just has a lot of touchdowns over the last two years. Three years. Uh, the thing is, he hasn't broken that 1,000-yard mark. We don't know how he's going to perform as the number one per se because, you know, the season without Jordy Nelson, he really struggled in that role. Um, but, you know, down the stretch with Jordy, you know, obviously not 100% last season, he looked good. Um and the thing is, he's been getting banged up. People are taking shots at him. He's a big body who doesn't like to go down. Um, and guys like Danny Trevathan are going to go after the head. Okay, let's go on to the next one. I think you got pulled out on a stretcher twice last season in, in games. Um, Houdini, Stiggs at number 11. Is that the uh, – Whatever, Minnesota Miracle or whatever the hell they called that thing. Um, <laughs> rear in its ugly head. 
I, I mean, potentially. I mean, Diggs was was the hot pick last year, and Thielen was the guy that kind of snuck up on everybody, right? So, um, you know, and Diggs is a guy who definitely, if you're in uh, the PPR leagues, he 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 has a much higher, uh, a bigger appeal. Um, I, I think the problem, you know, uh, for for him is that you look at the number of targets that he got with the emergence of Thielen, and it really took a hit to him. And and that to me is is kind of concerning. It's why I, I'm I don't I don't know that they should really be ranked necessarily right next to each other. Um, I, I kind of feel like it's uh, it, it should be more. Dig should be a bit further down behind Thielen uh, in my estimation as I think about it. You know, you look you look down the stretch. I mean, you know, it was early on in the season in the first. Four weeks last year, Diggs had four games of 90 yards or more, okay? Then you go the rest of the season, he didn't have a game higher than 78 yards. So, and and he, you know, it was three touchdowns to end the year, so that was where he had the strength, and then he had the one in, in, the, in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, to me, I, if, they are, if you are living off of that game against New Orleans – I think that's a mistake. I think you should read more back into what was going on from week five on in that offense and with Thielen's emergence and what that really did to Diggs. I think, yeah. I think Diggs after the first two weeks was the number one wide receiver last year. Go ahead, Stags. Uh, yeah, probably after two and three weeks. Uh, the thing that happened is Diggs got hurt week six, seven. Like, you know, it's something that seems to happen to this guy. Um, and, and that's the main concern is can he put together a 16-game season? Um, and he sort of battled hamstring issues, and that's something that you don't like. Uh, but, you know, through the first, you know, part of the season, he was the go-to guy. Uh, so if you're just saying Thielen took over, it may only be because Diggs was hurt. Uh, you know, also ended up with eight touchdowns on the season, you know, sort of added more repertoire to his game uh, and became a little bit more of a vertical threat. And and that's what I like about Diggs is is he can sort of do anything. He could be the underneath target and catch a lot of passes. He could also be a vertical field stretcher. Um, He could be a guy who creates separation in the red zone. I think he scored seven red zone touchdowns last season. Um, it was just his stag party. You were definitely, there's no question about it. Last year, you, your sleeper, your guy that you were going all in on was Diggs. There's no, I remember it vividly. He, you were just like, this guy's good. He's going to have a good season. And he was coming in a value last year. I mean, now we're saying that he's a top, he's number 11. Uh, when you look at the ADP right now, um, on, uh, fantasy pros over the sites that it's more like 15, but both him and Thielen now become not necessarily value picks. And that's, again, why it's important to listen to these shows and start pinpointing the guys that you think have that upside because they can be the Thielen of last year. They can be the digs of last year. They can um, – anyway. Uh, let's talk about some other guys in this bracket. Uh, go for it, Deanie. Anyone else popping out at you? Well, I mean, so you look at T.Y. Hilton, and the biggest concern for him is, you know, what's the situation going to be with Luck? Um, I, I think Hilton did a good job last year proving that he can still put up numbers uh, and have games without Andrew Luck. But at the same time, um, 
that was his first year in uh, the previous uh, five years uh, that he did not reach uh, 1,000 yards. And, you know, he only scored four touchdowns. So that was, you know, you can say, well, it's only like one or two off, but those two touchdowns make a difference if he's scoring six or seven. So, you know, then when I'm looking at uh, – this is interesting because then you got, okay, well, what's the question with Allen Robinson? Well, he's coming back off of an injury, so we really need to see exactly what he's going to bring. Um, you got Larry Fitzgerald, who to me is just like, you want to get steady and consistent, that's where you're going to go with that pick uh, when you're looking at, at him. And Baldwin's still got a lot of upside, you know, with uh, with Seattle there. Um, I, I'm just – I'll tell you, the guy I probably like the most here – uh, this is kind of a, a group where I'm like, I don't know who I would take my chance on. Um, if I'm this is a, your third round wide receiver. If you start RB, RB, who do you need better? I know. Up or shut? I understand. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be, I can't trust Hilton in that situation. I, I think I would have to almost bet on, it's either going to be Baldwin or Robinson. The Robinson on the unknown of, of Negi and, and what he's going to actually have with that offense and, uh, what 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 type of role he is, but the one thing that we do know is that two years ago, what he scored, what fourteen touchdowns. So you know, he, there's a guagi go up and get it, guy. So um, at this point, that's not a bad option if you wait until the third round. And Baldwin's so done things, it too. Go ahead. Yeah, one of the things that happened to T.Y. Hilton last year is he lost thirty six targets off of his previous year. One of the things that the Colts did is they went you know, sort of slow with Jacoby Brissett. They played a slow-paced game, and whenever they got a lead, they ran the ball too much. They didn't give Hilton shots to extend the lead. You know, averaging six, you know, nearly 17 yards a catch with Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback, that's a fucking feat in itself. You look at, you know, numbers over the first five or six years of their careers, you know, T.Y. Hilton's like a top 10 receiver in yardage, Um you know, entering prime season, you know, 28 years old, you know, with, you know, right now it's just got to be assumed to help the Andrew Luck because, you know, that's all the signs are pointing to. So I'm going to take that to the bank and that's going to put me in on a lot of these Colts options because everybody fears the unknown. But when they fear the unknown, that, that means I could pick up guys like T.Y. Hilton as a value in the third round when he's consistently been a second or third rounder uh, or a second rounder over the last, you know, two or three years. Um, you know, we know he's never going to be a double-digit touchdown guy, but he is an ultimate field stretcher uh, who has upside of 90 catches or 80-plus catches in a season. So he's not going to hurt you like a, a Deshaun Jackson in, in that you know, realm. He's a high volume field stretcher. Uh, and yeah. luck loves the toss it deep. Yeah. And he is, yeah, he's got that explosion game so he can win you weeks. Um, I, I think, I think it's a great call. And let's, let's be honest. Brissett was traded there like right before the friggin' season started last year from New England. So he was one of the reasons that probably is what you're talking about, Stags, with them run running the ball and running it slow and, and just kind of like keeping it super compact. It's like, Hey, this guy's what a third year, second or third year player as is Brissett, And he's brand new to us. And we're going to be probably the worst team in the league, regardless 
let's um let's let's keep it slow and, and low. That is the tempo. Hey, by the what way, you, yeah. By the way, I, I'm on uh, NFL Network right now, and they're having the uh, the Colts versus the Houston Texans from 2014, which was that ridiculous T.Y. Hilton game with three touchdowns. Yeah, and probably two of them were over 50 yards, right? Yeah, he he already had – he started the game. It was uh, – the last I, I looked up and saw it was three catches for 103 yards in the first half. <laughs> you guys want to know something funny about T.Y. Hilton last season? Yeah. In game that he was targeted nine times or more, you know, sort of elite wide receiver one type respect, he never had less than 100 yards in a game, averaged 151 yards, and scored three touchdowns uh, and did that all on, you know, six and a half catches a game, um, you know, catching, what, 25 of his 39 targets. So I truly believe that if they would have just thrown the ball more to T.Y. Hilton last year, they would have won a better fucking football team and good things would have come to them. Yeah. And what's going on? I mean, let me, I'm going to pull up in the draft kit the depth charts. Uh, they got rid of Moncrief, a guy that's been overdrafted and everyone thought was going to be doing shit for ages now. Um, where? What's their Aaron, man? Like your your best bet is Ryan Grant, who's best known for getting dicked over by Baltimore. Crabtree, um, and then after that. You know, guys like Darius Fountain and Deion Kane, and it's a bunch of unproven rookies, uh, you know, with Chester Rogers, who was their de facto number two last season. So it's just a lot of guys with question marks. Uh, but this is also a team that's expected to rely heavily on two tight end sets. But one thing you could do out of two tight end sets is run play action pass uh, and get your wide receiver vertical down the field. Yeah, and their number one running back, Marlon Mack, might even be just better as a receiver. And this guy, the rookie, Naheem Hines, is pretty dynamic as well. He could be getting split out and getting uh, some action as a wide receiver himself. So a lot of unknowns. It's going to be interesting. It all, A lot of it relies on Andrew Luck being there. Um, if Luck's there, Helton will start inching up. But if people are scared of uh, this team and, and, and all that, then Hilton becomes a value pick. Here's what I say. I think – this could be almost like I'm pretty sure it was two years ago, but may, I think it was two years, but might have been three years ago. Two years ago, um, it could be very similar to this Indiana uh, Indianapolis team to uh, Mariota and how uh, the Titans were able to get so many like kind of garbage points. Uh, I guess it's the same with uh, even uh, the Jaguars, where just like a lot of the, the Indianapolis might be down a lot. And they're going to have to be throwing it to get back in there where sounds like a good time for Luck if he's playing, but definitely sounds like a good time for T.Y. Hilton, who's just hands, just leaps and bounds the best wide receiver on this team. Yeah, I I do want to touch on Doug Baldwin quick, though, because they lost so much in the red zone uh, between Jimmy Graham and Paul Richardson, and Doug Baldwin's been an elite touchdown performer. And, you know, you look at his numbers over the last three years in the touchdown department, he's been great. Uh, You know, also the sheer number of targets that they've lost should be great for, you know, Doug Baldwin. Um, So that's a guy I think that, you know, right there with Hilton has a lot of upside. Um, 
You know, he just missed a thousand yards last season, and that would have been his what third in a row. But uh, Wilson loves this guy um, and his ability to, you know, play out of the slot and move outside. But you know, playing out of the slot allows him to miss a lot of those great corners in his division. Um, so that's only a good thing for this guy. Cool. Let's quickly just talk. I'll just mention nothing more about Larry Fitzgerald. You don't need to say anything about him. What a stud, even, uh, you know, at 34 freaking years old. What I will say is a reason why he's bumping up for me. He's still got a couple years left, but it's going to be one of those kind of milestone seasons where, like, almost every game he's doing something that uh, catapults him above um, other people, other people that are all Hall of Famers. Like, he's – He's basically in that zone where, like, Terrell Owens is his target on on stats. Um, pretty incredible. So I could just see him just getting uh, – doing his thing, but getting even more action just because, you know, sell tickets, get Larry, who everyone loves on the team and around the world, uh, more and more uh, of these milestones. The guy's in – He's at just that place and in stats and just so many verticals. So that's all I'm going to say on him. You guys got anything on Larry or should we go to the next bracket? We can move on. All right. Um, let's get to the next uh, grouping of five. Is going to be wide receiver 16, Tyree Kill. Wide receiver 17, Demarius Thomas. Wide receiver 18, Amari Cooper. Wide receiver 19 is Brandon Cooks. And wide receiver 20 is Golden Tate. Um you know, let's just let's just start with uh, just start with Hill. You guys go wherever you want. Stag party, however you want to uh, front this group of five. Go nuts. Okay, so Tyreek Hill, you know, great season last year. You know, was one of the most efficient top ten receivers ever. Uh, you look at yards per touch, and this guy was just out of this world. He's like one of the only. Uh, wide receiver ones ever to have less than a 20% target share on his team. Um, you know, but scored seven touchdowns. You know, one of those things that went along with that, that we talked about a lot last year was a regression in his, you know, rushing numbers, but they still did give him, you know, right about one rush a game. I think that's a number that's likely to continue. Uh, you got to keep that threat alive in your offense, but, you know, after going from under 10 yards of catch in his first season to being a elite field stretcher, uh, that's something that's going to remain. But now we've got Patrick Mahomes under center. We don't know who he's going to prefer between, you know, Hill, Kelsey, Evergins. You look at Watkins, and he's got a boatload of money dropped on the table. And you look at the correlation between targets – and pay rate, and there's something to be said that guys who get paid are going to get the ball thrown to them. You know, maybe it's they don't trust Tyreek Hill to be the true number one, um, and he can sort of be taken out of games uh, through game planning and, you know, getting physical with them at at the point of attack and then having somebody over the top uh, to combat his speed. But he does have some, you know, blow-up game potential. Um, And when he does, you know, connect on one of those bombs, he's going to have a giant fantasy performance. Untouchable. 
Yeah, I still li- I still really like Tyreek Hill, and I think that you know with Patrick Mahomes, I think with if anything, it's it's probably better for for Sammy Watkins, right? Because here's a, a quarterback who supposedly is going to take a lot of deep shots, and so I think with Tyreek Hill, especially in PPR leagues, I still think he gets a ton of touches uh, as well as the deep opportunities. So uh, I think extra valuable, and I, you know it'll be interesting to see uh, what effect Sammy Watkins has if he actually has an effect, like you know. Uh, he didn't really have an effect on the the uh, Rams offense last year. I think he has a much better chance with what Kansas City wants to do with him. Well, the buzz station, the buzz station on him is right now. This week has been off the charts on Twitter and anything NFL is just how Watkins, oh Andy Reid's making me a better receiver. We're gonna play him everywhere. We're gonna treat him like no other team has. All this stuff, you know, as Stags say, narrative street hype train. Um, if it's true, I still think it helps out, um, Tyreek Hill. I just, I love Sammy Watkins, but I just don't see him ever like going ballistic, ballistic and receptions, touchdowns and yards. And I know he's a very efficient player and Stag's going to say, look at his stats over his first four years against Julio and AJ and all these guys. And you're right. Uh, but I just think he's more of a, a consistent guy across everything, um, that gets him fantasy points. I like Tariq Hill the, is, with Sammy, Walk, uh, Sammy Watkins being there and being moved around. I think it helps Hill. I agree with you. Now, yeah. Kelsey help Hill? I don't know. I mean, it, it's just, can you project more targets for Tyreek Hill this season than he had last year? Because he's going to see, you know, a step back in, you know, yards per touch efficiency. Yeah, can't you can't you honestly look at it and say just understand what he is and he right right in the window where you're talking about seventy to eighty catches you're not you're never going to get the, you know that he had that nine touchdowns his, his rookie year seven touchdowns last year figure it's going to be more like in that T Y Hilton's five six seven touchdown range um, and then you know are you really think you know I, I'm not looking at him going oh he's going to all of a sudden now project up to fourteen hundred yards I, I think around. Uh, 1,100 yards from scrimmage uh, to, to 1,200 yards is probably right in a wheelhouse. He becomes like, uh, 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 what was the dude's name on Buffalo? Is it Stevie Johnson? Uh, yeah. That was like putting up the same numbers year after year after year. He's just very consistent, very good, but it's like that's right where the window is. Let's look at Stag Party's projections on the season from the draft kit, from the projections tab. Get Dropping those plugs that I don't do at all on the show well enough. Um, Tyreek Hill on your projections this year, Stag Party. You've got him getting a t- rushing touchdown, which is awesome. You got him getting 80 catches on our 124 targets. Again, I don't know how many targets he had last year. 4,000 yards. How many do you have? 105. So you think he's going to get some more targets this year? Um, uh, but then, I'm going to nerf him. <laughs> and then also. <laughs> And then you got six touchdowns. So you got him with in standard at 151, PPR 231. I love it. Sammy Watkins, you got 60 catches, 108 targets, on, uh, 90 yards, and five touchdowns. That feels real secure and pretty spot on to me. Um, a good fantasy season. When you put him in against other people, it'll be probably a top 25, top 30 um, play. Um, but, yeah, 120 in standard and 181 of PPR. That feels pretty freaking good to me. Um, the thing right. is, with, with offenses, is they're rarely that, you know, 
con- concerted. They're really that tight knit in terms of targets. Like having three players with 96 plus targets in a year is rarer than it sounds. It only happens with, you know, on average five teams a year. Yeah. And we've got, you're saying that this year, because we're not talking about, we're talking about Kelsey being there as well. You've got three guys from this team, which is, you're not saying unlikely, you think it can happen, but it's rare um, for the Chiefs. It's not the rarer side. So you can't every team to have that tight of a target grouping. Totally. I get it. I'm big on Mahomes. Um, so, and I, I guess I'm big on everyone. So, you know, where does it, where does it bend? All right, let's go and talk about someone else. Tyre, uh, Demarius Thomas is, is he had, you know, I think he had probably his worst season in the last year. Do you like, uh, the smorgasbord he's had a quarterback over the last since Peyton retired. Are you feeling better with Case Keenum? Is this guy uh, rising through your ranks like he is mine? I think Tamarius Thomas. I know I've got him quite high on my tiers. I don't, I'm not going to say where I have him compared to you guys, but Tamarius I've got it is my tenth wide receiver. Where last year I was super low on him. I, hopefully he's not too old, but I think now he's got a great opportunity with an influx of talent at quarterback, but even at running back and some other positions with a butt at tight end who I'm high on as well. Um, do you think, do you guys agree with me that move this guy on up or is age going to be coming? I'm working on my next version of the tiers uh, right now. And he is moving up, you know, and I think that what I like about him is that you're getting him at finally at like a value. It's like a buy low candidate, right? Because case Keenum uh, can establish some real offense uh, for this team. And I think that they're still going to be relying on the, uh, the the passing game. And I think that having, uh, you don't know, just a much more competent quarterback means the world for Demarius Thomas. So, um, yeah, I, I, is he moving into the top 15 for me? No, but I, I, ca- I had him at 21 in my last version. Right now I think I got him around uh, 17, 17, 18. Yeah, I think I'm going to be pretty comfortable with 17 uh, or so for Demarius Thomas. Uh, in my next version as well. I mean, right in the range of mid mid wide receiver two is where he should be. He's like a pretty safe projection for a thousand yards, you know, six or seven touchdowns. Uh, and maybe Case, you know, shows up and shows a little more in the touchdown department, which actually seems sort of unlikely, but the yardage should be there for him. He should see a lot more catchable targets. Um, you know, that thing about letting them run, you know, quick screens that they instituted last year. Uh, I think Case is going to be able to execute a scheme like that, uh, you know, a lot better than a guy like Trevor Simeon um, and, and Paxton Lynch. So I, I think Case is a better fit. I think, you know, both of these Denver wide receivers and Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders getting an upgrade uh, from the quarterback standpoint. And I think if you look at them as player archetypes, you look at Demarius as more of the Adam Thielen, and you look at Emmanuel Sanders as the Stefan Diggs of this offense. And I don't think there's much different, you know, from stylistic comps uh, between those guys. So I think they fit with what Case Keenum likes to do. Cool. I agree. Uh, one thing to note about the bracket that we're talking right now, uh, strength of schedule wise. Um, which is a tab in the draft kit, but also a, a column within this uh, top 
the positional ranks in our top 200 as well. These guys have some tough strength of schedule. So Tyree Kill's got the worst strength of schedule. Well, Kansas City does. Demarius Thomas has got a tough one at, at 27th. Uh, and then another guy that I'm going to talk about right now that, you know, I was super high on coming into the league and he's been kind of a nightmare when I had him on his team. And last year he just was uh, disgustingly terrible. Amari Cooper has the second hardest um, strength of schedule um, out there right now. So what are your, what are you guys thinking right now? I know Amari Cooper for me, even though he had such a bad season, he's kind of one of those guys that, just by namesake, he's not going to fall that far, but he's finally going to be a value. Where Amari Cooper, I mean, almost even his rookie year was like a third-round pick, fourth-round pick. Last year, in the last two years, he was a second-round, bona fide second-round pick. Maybe you're getting him early third round. Now you're going to start being able to get him a little bit better because people got burned by him over the last, you know, he hasn't been what he, what we thought he would be. Are you guys um, willing to go back to that well? Can I go here, Houdini, please? Yep. So, Amari Cooper is a great case study in recency bias. Uh, say Amari Cooper's career went 48 catches, 680 yards, seven touchdowns in his rookie year, 82 catches, 1149, five catches. And then last year he had a 72 uh, on 130 targets for 1,070 yards and six touchdowns. How much differently would you be thinking of Amari Cooper? Like, you're like, this guy is ascending. He's going to be the next breakout. So, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, Amari looks to be an ascending player still because, you know, recency bias is one of the biggest you know, traps we fall into in fantasy football. And it comes, you know, along with Houdini's career year beware type piece. Uh, We're always so attached to the last season that sometimes the body of work matters so much more. Um, So so that's something we've got to look forward to with Amari. Um, And and also, you know, getting John Gruden, uh, a guy who, you know, said they're going to move him around, said they're going to feed the guy because he, you know, he has the ability. He has, he's never seen the most targets on the team in his career. So maybe he sees more of the nine target games to get him closer to 150 targets on the season. And, you know, the yardage will follow along. So I expect a big rebound for Mari Cooper. Uh, and he's going to be one of my bigger movers up my ranks this week. Yeah, and the thing that you also really have to like is there's no longer Michael Crabtree. It's Jordy Nelson. That's better for Amari Cooper. So, but it's also Martavis Bryant, which I feel like now, now, you've, added, now you've added a third guy that's kind of a bona fide stud that in some games when he – there's going to be Jordan Nelson, Jordy Nelson games, and there are going to be a uh, hope, you know, hopefully a few or a handful Martavis games. And he when that happens, Amari's on the outs. He might get suspended for a year. <laughs> Good point. He might, yeah, that's definitely. But I, you know, while we're on the subject, I know we'll get to him later. But I am not as low as everybody else on Jordy Nelson. Like, uh, there's a chance he may be done, but if not. Um, and he's the number two wide receiver in this offense. 
you know, they've pumped a lot of targets to, you know, Amari Cooper or Michael Crabtree, depending on who you want to consider the one and the two. They've pumped a lot of targets into their top two players. And, you know, looking at it with an offense that's likely to play with a fullback and a couple blocking tight ends, there's going to be a ton of targets through the wide receiver position for this team. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm on, on both of these guys' values. All right. Well, I just – just to, for, for me, for Jordy Nelson, I, I feel like the wheels are falling off and the yards per reception going down. Um, you know, he was – and now coming off of the injury. We'll see. You know, it, it, you know, last year was uh, – last year was last year. I know. Recency bias. You, that's why you get him at a value. But, uh, you know, I just – Looking at my tears, I agree with you, Stags. It's like, you know, I had some um, – some some white on white hate there for a minute um at 35 it seems a little seems a little low some of the guys above them and that's why i'm working on i'm only through my quarterback and running back that's why we're doing version two with the tears um, he is 33 years old he is 33 years old i i hear you but i i i like car i like i they went out they they, they went out and got this guy so they must like him I'm not saying that Gruden, what he's doing, his plans. If you ever oh, listen to John wow. Gruden talk about Jordy Nelson. Yeah, it is Monday. weird. <laughs> it's like, weird. <laughs> Anything to say quickly? Uh, or, or, or on, uh, we got two more guys in this, uh, in this block. Well, here's what we'll do. Before we go to two more guys, let's go to two more ads for a quick minute. Or better yet, uh, much less than a minute. But there you go. Who you go in, Houdini? I'm not going to say a word about anyone else in this uh, bracket. Well, you know what? I want to throw one other guy here because I'm noticing that he's not on this list for some reason uh, that that I have around this area in my tiers as well. So we have Brandon Cooks, Golden Tate that we mentioned. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey is not on this list for some reason that I'm looking at, unless. Oh, you can check. Oh, you had to find. You had to find <laughs> it with the thing, uh, but that's good enough. Well, because Alshon's another guy that I really like in this area. You know, um, having now to being solidified, being with Philadelphia, uh, with that offense, with Wentz that'll be coming back, uh, seeing what Wentz was doing in that offense last year, uh, having that development with the quarterback, knowing that he is a guy that can score a lot of touchdowns that becomes for me and he'll be the number one wide receiver on that team. It seems to me that that's a, a nice option in this area here. You know, when I look at Brandon cooks and golden Tate, this is uh, cooks moving again to another team. Uh, is the Rams going to be a better fit for him? I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And I'm a Brandon cooks owner in dynasty leagues. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where you, you're crossing your fingers and you hope, but it's always like, for most people, unless you're Randy Moss, your second year with that offense is a lot better than your first year with that offense. <laughs> so, so that's worrisome. And Golden Tate is just a guy who always puts up numbers and goes under the radar. So oh, I, 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 I agree I, on the Tate, the Tate call too, especially because of what Marvin Jones, who I think Marvin Jones and Golden Tate, in all honesty, and I, I guess I'll just lump them. We'll get to Jones probably later, but um I think they're both going to be a great value because they're going to cancel each other out a little bit. You know, people are really going to look at Tate's stats from last year and feel like that's going to get repeated. 
Tate's been more um, consistent than we give him credit for. He's a baller. And let's be honest, you're play- they're both playing for Stafford, who's always chucking it, always right up there at the top and in, 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 in throwing and, and, and yardage um, over a season. So I like Tate and Marvin Jones. Uh, and, and I also like uh, Galloway, too. I think that those are like – that's like a wide receiver crew that I think is going to come into value. I agree yeah. 100%. Go ahead, Stax. Yeah, so it would help if everybody spelled Alshon Jeffery's name correct. Uh, and then you'd be in the draft kit. Um, <laughs> I probably fucked it up. Uh, based, but he actually slots in above Amari Cooper in our ranks. So that'd be um, wide receiver 18. Uh, I do agree with you. You know, Coming off a, a big shoulder injury that he played with, you know, all throughout last season and being able to, you know, score nine touchdowns and be a big red zone factor for that offense. That's something that's going to come in really handy, you know, in the coming seasons. So uh, I do like Jeffrey there. Um, Tate, you know, lock, lock him in for 90 plus receptions at this point. Yep. Uh, this guy's one of the best yak players in the league. Um, and, you know, should be in the area of, 120 to 140 targets as the centerpiece of the offense. And then Marvin's going to be the uh, elite field stretcher there. Yeah. And I think um, it feels like Tate's got to do some stuff here in Detroit for his next contract. Um, And I like that for him a lot. We always talked, we used to talk about a little bit more, um, but contract year, and I'm not saying he's not under contract after this year, but it, it seems like, it's a it's a moment where he's playing for his next contract. So I like all those guys there. Do you have anything else you want to say about any of these dudes? Cooks? I mean, he. I'm staying away from that guy. And the, uh, it seems like there's too many mouths to feed. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just say, as again, as I was worried about him, and I'll let Staggs clean it up, is that I'm worried about him on a new team, number one, and especially a new team, number two, that has Todd Gurley that's going to give him the ball 25 to 30 times a game. Yeah. My thing with cooks is he doesn't need, you know, the 150 targets that some of these other guys need to put up, you know, thousand or 1200 yard seasons. And over the last, you know, three years, it's just him and Antonio Brown with seven touchdowns, uh, seven plus touchdowns and thousand plus yard seasons. So he's been the model of consistency, um, but going from Drew Brees and Tom Brady to Jared Goff in, in a lower volume passing game, um, you know, not like New England or New Orleans that's, you know, throwing it approaching 600 times a year. Uh, you know, they were just in the 400s, um, you know, last year were the Rams. So there are some volume concerns, but if you're betting on a receiver to be the best there, uh, I think you got to bet Brandon Cooks over, you know, guys like Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup. No doubt. <clears throat> okay. Um, cool. Next bracket of guys is going to be wide receiver 21. We've got Josh Gordon. Wide receiver 22, Juju Smith-Schuster. Wide receiver 23, Marvin Jones. Wide receiver 24, Julian Edelman. 
Remember, this is from our draft kit before the announcement that he might be suspended for four games. Isn't the news supposed to come out today whether that's upheld or not? Um, it's if supposed so, to come out Monday, so. Yeah, it's supposed to happen already. And then the 25th wide receiver, wow, even uh, even on the paltry Baltimore Ravens, Michael Krabby Patty is sitting there, um, sitting there. Man, that's, I love Krabby, but that seems pretty high for him. Um, I don't really have anything to say. I already talked about Marvin Jones here. Julian Edelman, I've, he's like the first guy. I've moved down a bunch of my tiers. If he doesn't get suspended, obviously that changes. Um, whatever you got. <laughs> I, I just got a text from Stag Party. I left out uh, Alshon Jeffrey on my tiers. That's why he was down. Sorry, guys. No, you didn't. Everyone did. Because oh. everyone spelled it wrong. <laughs> all three oh, of us. That's it. Got it. Yeah, you're right. We all have the E after the Y. That's good stuff. All right, we're awesome. Go ahead. What do you, Stags who, or Houdini, what do you guys want to say about this uh, bracket of guys? Well, I think the guy that is the most exciting, where if, you, if you're waiting back here and if you're especially in uh, the big touchdown leagues, uh, you have to you have to like what you see in Josh Gordon, right? Uh, now being back after last year, now he, he's kind of settling himself in. Um, we'll see what happens with, uh, you know, w- w- whether it's Tyrod who's going to be throwing the ball and how much they'll they'll let it go. But I, I think that he he is a guy that just has so much upside. And the other guy that I that you have to really like is Juju Smith Schuster for the simple reason that he gets one on one coverage because of Antonio Brown. And he proved last year that he's a playmaker. So, um, and also in a high volume offense that uh, has a premium on moving the ball and scoring points and, and using getting a lot of plays. I think that that's it's fantastic. So I, I think this is kind of like where I I, I want to be grabbing two or three receivers out of these like from the previous five through like the next ten. Yeah. Uh- I do agree that Josh Gordon's by far the most enticing, whether it's Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield under center. They're both guys who like to attack the field vertically. Um, So in standard leagues, Josh Gordon's going to get an edge over his teammate Jarvis Landry. Uh, You know, with his yards per reception profile, his yak profile, he sort of profiles better um, as a fit for both of those players. And, you know, if you're looking for a guy who's going to send people down the field, Todd Haley loves to run vertical stretch plays. So uh, that looks like a great fit for Josh Gordon. You know, if you look at a picture of Josh Gordon, you'll be out of your mind this offseason. Um, but been that way. You know, it's been that way for four years, though. The guy's just – he's a – he's a, as I don't want to sound like dogmatically. He's like, he's got a body of the gods. It's He's he an does. Adonis. <laughs> he does, but he's not a guy who looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. We've yeah. seen, you know, one of the best wide receiver seasons of the last decade out of Josh Gordon. So, you know, you're drafting him for that upside. He is he the, by, the safest pick in this tier? Absolutely not. But is he a guy who you're drafting as a wide receiver too that could easily finish as a top, you know, ten wide receiver in drafts? Maybe even. You know, higher than that, and some motherfucking Lulee. Like, I'm digging him more with Baker. Um, 
in all honesty, but I agree. Either way, my only – I wish they had never gone out and gotten um, Landry. I really don't understand what they were thinking there. I wish they had never done that. But I think – I hope he doesn't eat into Gordon's stuff too much because I, I still I still like Corey Coleman, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Corey Coleman's left for dead right now. But, uh, you know – uh, the other guys in that offense, we're going to talk about Jarvis Landry probably in the next tier. But you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, he scares me a little bit. Um, you know, most of his production came in you know two big weeks, one in week seventeen, where most of the starters didn't play, and then week you know eight prime time, you know when Antonio Brown was out was out of the game. So what is he going to be? you know, with Antonio Brown, that's the major question. Um, you know, the, the splits with him on the field or Brown did play that game, but uh, there was another game. I think it might've been week 15 that Antonio didn't play. Um, are you, you Stags? Are you worried that he has like that season that Martavis Bryant had after the breakout and then everyone was expecting it. And then it, it was just a bust. Yeah, I'm not going to have any Juju Smith show star in Ranger Athletes. Like, the price is just too high for me. Um, Even though he finished, like, we're looking at seven touchdowns for the guy um, and 917 yards. It's sort of close to what Martavis did on small sample size. Plus, I, I think James Washington's a pretty good vertical field stretcher. I'm not sure Juju Smith-Schuster is that type of player. I think he's a much better player with the ball in his hands. And those type of guys usually require a lot of volume. Um, so I don't know how he gets more, much more than 100 targets in this offense. So it, it kind of caps the upside for me. So I, I'd rather go after some of these other guys behind him who I know have more projectable target shares. Cool. Anyone else uh, we want to uh, cover here? Any Crabtree? I think Edelman we can be light on. Marvin Jones, uh, you know, in his profile when we talked about Golden Tate, Julian Edelman, when he's on the field with Tom Brady, it it, it should be good things, especially with, you know, no more cooks. You know, Hogan's never seen more than, what, 70 targets in a season uh, in his career. The, the rest of the guys, Malcolm Mitchell, you know, outside of Gronk and the running backs, the wide receiver core is barren. And, you know, uh, Brady likes to get it out quick and hit him on those little out routes, slant routes, and just, you know, use it as an extension of the run game. So, uh, you know, when Edelman's on the field, whether it's for 12 games or 16 games, he's going to be ranked accordingly. Um, but, you know, if he does get suspended, his price is going to drop or if his suspension is upheld, I'd say his price is going to drop even more. Um, and then you you can get a value if you could fill in for the first couple of weeks. Michael Crabtree, volume. You know, who else are we projecting volume for? Should we do it to Mark Andrews or Hayden Hurst, the rookie tight ends? And we know typically how, you know, slow that position is to, you know, acclimate to the NFL is there anybody else on the receiver core that's proven anything to date? Um, no. So how, how does he not see 125-plus targets, even if it is Joe Flacco, or if he gets replaced with a Lamar Jackson late in the season? Uh, Crabtree is going to be a guy who's 
the centerpiece of their passing game. Yeah. I, I, is Flacco going to be able to keep Crabtree rolling, or is the Crabtree just go grab $21 million? Well, look, he I grabbed mean, the money. He, yeah, he went on a money grab. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, who's to say that Flacco is playing any more than five or six games this year and they decide to go with Lamar Jackson? So I, I do because they have to pay him so much money. It's well, a bad look for the fan base, bro. Yeah, well. Maybe, maybe they trade him after another guy gets injured. He's the, he's he'll be next year. Is trade for that contract? Oh, good point. <laughs> um, all right. I'm excited for Crabtree and see what's going on. But out of that tier, I'm, I'm with you. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's going to be overdrafted the same way I and other people overdrafted Martavis Bryant last year. Um Marvin Jones, I like. I think he comes with a value. Julian Edelman probably becomes a value if he gets that full-on suspension. Crabtree, I want nothing to do with wide receivers ever that are on a Joe Flacco team um, other than a couple of those Steve Smith years just because that team scares the piss out of me other than a running back. Um, I'm just kind of staying away from this tier. So Juju Smith-Schuster – ADP of 45, so middle of the fourth round, going ahead no. of Alshon, Marvin Jones, no Jarvis way. Landry. Yeah. Um, let's see what other notable wide receivers in MFL 10s. Uh, Sammy Watkins, I'd probably take a shot of Sammy over Juju. That, that's oh, my, my, sure. my ranks are big liars, though. I got to work on that. Uh, no, I, but I agree with you. Um he doesn't get a lot of – he doesn't get targets. He, he ranked 55th among a wide receiver targets per game last year. He's just not a, not a volume guy. Um, I think he had a lot of those huge games, which is great, and I think he had a lot of kind of fluke plays, maybe which he made. But um, you take some of those out, and it's, a, it's, it's looking a lot different. So, Juju, take him. I'm staying off that. Let's go yep. to the next um, bracket. Sure. Why next? Go for it. No, you got it. Were you going to do it? You want to do an ad or you want to do the next five? Let's, Let's do, do the, the next five. You know what? I'm going to steal it. I'll, I'll cover the, I'll, 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 I'll introduce these guys since both of you guys stumbled on that. So wide receivers 26 through 30. We have Robbie Anderson, Jarvis Landry, Corey Davis, Jordy Nelson, and Emmanuel Sanders. So, Robbie Anderson, I mean, he he was awesome last season. Um, You know, it looks like he's going to be off of his sort of nut in her eye uh, suspension. We don't know if anything's coming down the pipe there, but, you know, what it's doing is suppressing his value because right now this guy's being picked 106th in drafts uh, in MFL 10s. So you're getting this guy in the ninth round. Um, and, you know, his profile that he was able to put up last season w- was awesome. So I'm going to be hammering Robbie Anderson all damn day if people are going to let me get him in the ninth round. That's unbelievable that he's going that far down. And you got to look at it, too. What is his what is his competition there? It's, it's Jermaine Curse. It's Quincy Anunua who's coming off of uh, was it a broken leg that he had last year. So, oh, it's worse. This, oh, is it what? 
I thought it was worse. I thought he had like a neck injury, but I could be. Oh, that no, that mad. could be right. It was yeah, it was a bad injury, whatever it was. So he doesn't have competition. And and the other thing is, even if they go to, to from Josh McCown and and, are, and end up going with Sam Darnold, which I think they're going to do uh, at some point, regardless, it's it's still a good situation for Robbie Anderson, and it might even be a better situation with Darnold because he's got a stronger arm, and that's something where Anderson was just making plays down the field. So I, I think it's a sneaky good pick here, you know. And again, I, I don't really think that they have a, a, an amazing running attack there in New York. Uh, I think they're going to be relying on the passing game a bit more. I'm a big yeah. fan. Go yeah. stack party. I mean, I, I don't see anything with Robbie Anderson that's like a big sticking point. Like, I guess people are just waiting for a four-game suspension to eventually be levied. Uh, but until then, you know, I'm going to hammer away on this guy. Like, uh, you can project him for 115 to 125 targets. Um, you know, last season, he was very impressive catching the ball down the field. He was very impressive in the red zone, um, you know, and, and really didn't get going until the mid part of the season. And when he did, he had, you know, a stretch of, so from week seven on, 35 yards and a touchdown, 104 yards and a touchdown, 48 yards and a touchdown, 85 yards and a touchdown, 146 yards and two touchdowns, 107 yards and no touchdowns. Like, this guy just got rolling and had, you know, a big year, uh, you know, surprisingly. I, I don't think you're ever going to project him to be a – you know, high catch percentage guy, but in standard leagues where you're looking for yardage and you're looking for touchdowns, you can do a lot worse than Robbie Anderson. And even if you give them say a 10 spot discount in PPR, um, you know, there's still value to be extracted. Yeah. Let's, let's put it this way. The guy who is next on the list and I'm going to be staying away from in all formats um, would be that guy when you're talking about in PPR Jarvis Landry, right? Uh, the, the PPR got as far as getting all those targets last year, but not piling up the yards. Well, get used to it to happening even more here <laughs> in Cleveland. So I don't know that he's going to come close to as many targets as he had uh, because he doesn't have uh, nothing around him in the names of Devonte Parker and all the other trash that was out there uh, in Miami. And, you know, Josh Gordon is going to take away some of that luster, some of that shine, that luster off of the car. So uh, Jarvis, I am running away from. Yeah, Jarvis. So the thing is, if you expect him to be more of maybe 120 or 130. Tar- so let me let me step back. First off, when you're doing your ranks, right? Decide who you think has more targets at the end of the season between Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry. And then run them. Like, if you think it's Jarvis Landry, how big is that share? Is it, you know, he's getting 160 targets? Yeah, probably not because we talk about concentration of pass games. Um, We could do this for Jarvis Landry all day. Because between Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry, they're going to have, what, you know, 260 targets combined? And that's a huge number, especially when you plug in, you know, 50 or 60 for the other guys in their team. And then 
that is the leading targeted wide receiver core in the league. And usually it just doesn't happen from a percentage basis that often. And so, you've got David Johnson or uh, um, Duke Johnson, Johnson and you've got uh, Nyoku. David Njoku. Just, you just combined like, the players. I like, I'm always going to call him Nyoku. It's not, it's, it's, it's my, one of my favorite types of pasta. <laughs> Noki? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, the, so split it up like that. If you think Jarvis Landry has more targets at the end of the season than Josh Gordon and you're playing in a PPR league, then there's absolutely some reasons to draft Jarvis Landry you know, as a top 25 wide receiver. Yeah, but, but if, if you think it's Josh Gordon, then, you know, there's no reason to be drafting him that high. And he's currently being drafted, you know, in the middle of the fifth round. The other thing is it doesn't even matter if he gets more targets. If he doesn't get more than 30 more targets more than Jarvis Landry, he's not worth taking. I, I, and then Josh Gordon, he's not worth taking over Gordon. He needs to have at least 30 more targets for it to be of value. Look at yards per reception. That's going to be the difference between these guys and uh, and touchdowns. Wouldn't you say that based on all the guys we've talked about so far, you, you're, you're worried about the Jarvis Landry season in a new scenario, Cleveland, without these targets. He's a high-volume guy, short yardage player. And it's on an offense that this is a team that's won two games in the last – or one game in the last two years. I think they're going to be better, but I, I just can't imagine anyone being excited about this guy as a wide receiver on their team, as a wide receiver two even. Yeah. yeah I, people love Jarvis Landry. People right, love They sure it. do. All right. I don't uh, love him anymore. Let's talk about somebody else. <laughs> Get in it. You're leaving it. This is your bracket, Houdini. Oh, it's my bracket. Okay, so Corey Davis is the next guy. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure what I'm what I'm willing to make of Corey Davis at, at this point. Um, I, I I'm I'm kind of I kind of need to see more with eye test for me to kind of buy into to where he's at right now. He's kind of a guy that I'm just shying away from. Am I wrong? I like it more. I like it more than than other than Robbie Anderson. Essentially, a lot of dudes. I mean, four guys below him and five guys ahead of him. But I hear you. He's got a low. He doesn't have a lot of eye test opportunity. He didn't play a lot of games. Um, but even when he did, he kind of just came up with some Dudleys. But the last game he played gave me the eye test that that tells me that. If this guy can go into the season healthy, which obviously didn't happen last year, he was banged up in the preseason, banged up in training camps. And as we know, when you're a rookie, that's going to fuck you. Uh, Highest drafted wide receiver in last year's draft. I still think I roll the dice on him being um, the next dude, uh, one of the best wide receivers for this uh, Titans team, and Mariota being smart enough to get him the ball. But let me. But okay. here's the thing. I know he's going to get him the ball, and then I'll let, let, let Stag jump in. But I just don't think that he gets enough target share combined to like a Rashard Matthews or anyone like that. That that he definitely steps up at this point in my mind. So let's play a game, right? Corey Davis, 
currently the 68th overall player in MFL 10s. So that puts him, you know, towards the back of the sixth round. Let's play Would You Rather. Which wide receivers drafted after Corey Davis would you rather have? The first one would be Robert Woods. No. No. Chris Hogan. No. No. Will Fuller? No. Maybe. Emmanuel Sanders? No. I think so. Pierre Garcon? No, I don't think so. I'm worried well, about his health. It's, it's close with Jimmy G, but yeah. Uh, Cooper Cup? No. Jamison Crowder? Possibly, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather have him. Maybe it's just because I'm reading a ton of stuff on how happy Alex Smith is with him and reading into it. But Crowder's the number one on a on a solid squad. And I like I like Cooper Cup better, to be honest. I just didn't think he's too many guys. I just don't feel like. Remember, we thought Decker was going to be a stud and probably in this zone last year. He's gone. I like Tawan Taylor. But it's 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 him and and Rashard Matthews. And I like Matthews, and I hope he. I think he can get over a hundred targets. But I, let's go on. I like this game. Um, or you go to in front. I, I I could even feel like I would pick. You know, I, I feel like I would pick him over some guys that we were talking about in the last bracket. But maybe we played this game long enough. Your call, Stag Party. Uh, I I, th- I think we're good there. I think it gives a good. So you think he's properly valued? Uh, I, I just don't know if at the point it gets to Corey Davis that wide receiver is even the position I'm looking at at that point. Because that's usually when I'm jumping on, you know, a tight end or, you know, maybe if it's a top five quarterback still on the board, I'm looking to jump in the sixth or seventh round. So he's just not a guy that's going to end up on a lot of my teams. I can tell you that. But uh, could I, Des I don't Bryant, really Could Des Bryant land on this team? I don't think so. Okay. All right. So, I, go ahead. I mean, I'm taking Rashard Matthews over him all day. So, maybe that's part of why I'm not taking uh, Corey Davis. I love Rashard Matthews. You guys know that. I've been eyeing that guy for a while. Um, well, the next guy we already talked about a bit, Jordy Nelson. Do you guys have anything else you want to add on, Jordy? Nope. All right. Well, the last guy is Emmanuel Sanders. And like for the same reasons that we mentioned with Demarius Thomas, to me, it's having that uh, solidification at quarterback uh, and a competency at quarterback uh, that makes me feel a hell of a lot better about grabbing Emmanuel Sanders. And again, here's a guy that, you know, had put up some some really good numbers uh, only a couple of years ago. And it's a matter of, you know, recency bias, if, right? Because uh, you, you look at the fact that last year was just an atrocious season with 555 yards only playing in, uh, in, 12, in 11 games, I think it was. Or 12, played in 12, started 11. Uh, and saw all of his numbers just, just hit the floor. But he had 1,000 yards for three seasons in, in a row prior to that. So... Uh, to me, uh, I, and he also had his yards per reception average drop by almost three yards. So uh, this is one where I'm going to I'm going to trust on those numbers. I'm going to trust in having a veteran quarterback in there that's going to help uh, rise him back up and make him a, a much more safer play than uh, than some of this, these guys around here. Yeah, um, 
I don't really have anything to add there. Uh, I, I would like to say let's hit a break and then get to the next grouping of wide receivers that begins with Sammy Watkins. Uh, one thing I'll say on Emmanuel Sanders is a nice uh, – and anybody on the Denver Broncos wide receiving crew, uh, they got a solid strength of schedule in the playoffs. All right, the next bracket is going to be Sammy Watkins, guy we've talked about a bit, so I feel like we're going to get – we've talked about a bunch of these guys a bit, so it's going to be a fast bracket. It's going to be a, a fast one, a uh, hot round. Robert Woods is at 32, and wide receiver 33, Jameson Crowder. Wide receiver 34, Devonta Parker. Wide receiver 35, Devin Funches. Let's hit a uh, speed round with these fellas. Um, Sammy Watkins, I think we talked about enough. Anything you guys want to, Cherry, you want to put on top? Is it outside of the realm of possibility that Sammy Watkins is the number one wide receiver for this team? No, not at all. Okay. I think we got to shoot him up. Yeah, I, I just the thing is, I don't. It's if he is, it's, I don't think it's by a wide margin. That's fine. Um, I the, the thing with Kansas City, right, is they could take two approaches. They could play with a conservative run game and protect Patrick Mahomes, or they could go, "Hey, we know you're most comfortable. Just you know, fuck it, chuck it." you know, air raid style system. Let's get a lot of wide receivers on the field for you. Let's get you a lot of options. Let's make your reads easy. Um, And let's give you, you know, a diverse array of targets in the passing game and just let them throw the shit out of the ball. Um, You know, Andy Reid is a pass heavy coach when you look at it, but it's also a pass heavy coach that doesn't run a high volume of plays. Now, I wonder if that's something that's going to maintain with Patrick Mahomes under center or if he's more been adapting to having to win games with Alex Smith. I like that. I like that assessment. I think all of us have we're, – we're pretty close on Sammy Watkins. You're a little bit higher than us. I think at uh, 31, stag party. Um, or is that wrong? No, that's – yeah, stag party. And I think me and Houdini both have him at the same at about 34, 35. But yeah, I, I agree. I think I think if he can get if he can get going, we'll see. I think my worry is that they've just got we talked about it earlier. That's why we need to move on. So many targets, only so many plays, unknowns with Mahomes. Maybe it's just going to be Mahomes throwing the fucking crap out of the ball over six hundred times. Uh, that would be awesome. Here's Hunt the one thing: we bummed out. Here's the one thing you can say at this point: if you're drafting a guy with the uh, skill set of Sammy Watkins at this point, it's not a bad option. Right, exactly. Um, cool. Robert Woods, obviously, he was their uh, number one guy last year. A little banged up here and there. Cup had a great season. But Brandon Cooks, the guy we talked about earlier, brought in. Anything you want to talk about here is Woods kind of overdrafted based on last year's stats and being on a great team. And now, um, you know, Cooks, obviously, I guess Watkins is out. But Watkins was a late um, late summer trade. What do you, what do you think? Is Woods going to let people down, or is he going to be the new Rashard Matthews? Well, here's one thing that you need to know: Robert Woods has only played 16 games in one one season, so you know that's a problem. He only played 12 games last year, 
Uh, everyone's going to remember the ridiculous game he had in the playoffs. So there's your recency bias. Uh, his nine catches for 142 yards, and he had those those couple blow-up games. But, um, you know, I Woods just – was like the number one wide receiver through the last, first five or six weeks last year, though. He no. – no, no, no. He didn't, he didn't he score a touchdown. No. He had he had a stretch. It was started in um, it was it was in November. It was it was like the fantasy playoffs is where he went nuts. He had the he had the seventy catches, uh, seventy yards and two touchdowns, followed by eight catches, one hundred seventy one yards and two touchdowns, then eight catches for eighty one yards, no touchdowns, and then six catches, forty five yards and a touchdown. So that and, and then he went nuts in the in the playoff loss with uh, one hundred forty two yards. Wow. So his yeah his trajectory looks pretty good. You, what do you got to say about a snack party? I just like, closing out my point though. I'm just saying it was all from a couple games. I don't I just don't know that I'm buying into it. Go ahead, Sticks. I'm I'm not buying into it. I think he's more of a you know wide receiver for. I, I don't like the price at all. You know we played that game. Uh, would you rather? I'm like, I don't want any of these motherfuckers. I'd rather have the guys, you know, 40 picks later. I'm feeling the same way. I'd rather have Robbie Anderson and Marquise Goodwin and, you know, no doubt. guys like Rashard Matthews and Randall Cobb, uh, maybe even Alan Hearns and Kenny Stills. Those type of guys are guys I'd rather take over, you know, it's Robert Woodward. For me. Well, let's go to to Jamison. Let me just wrap up Robert Woods real quick. So his career high in receptions is 65. His career high in receiving yards is 781. His career high in touchdowns is five. So we're looking at a guy who's never had more than 800 yards in the season, has played just one uh, full season, as Houdini mentioned, and has just one season of over 100 targets. So – I think he's more of a better NFL player than he is an actual fantasy player. And, you know, five for 50, if that's what you're looking for. Uh, I don't expect those blow-up games to happen on a regular basis. Love it. All right, Dini, rock us with the, uh, the Crowder, Parker, Funches, and let uh, Stag Party do a cherry on top. I, I like Crowder. I'm definitely staying away from Parker and Funches. Well, I think Crowder becomes a really uh, uh, a nice pick, especially now that it's Alex Smith, the guy who wants to go for the more of the safer passing routes. Uh, I think that that's going to fit really nicely into get. He doesn't like to hold the ball very long, so he likes to get rid of it. And I think that that's going to be more Jamison Crowder as he's working in the in the slot there. Uh, Devontae Parker. Um, you can call whatever you want uh, that this is his chance for a breakout, whatever I'm breaking away uh, and I'm not coming back. Uh, I just don't think that Parker, I, I I'm not going to buy into, you know, I get it that Jarvis Landry is gone. And so this is where he, okay. He's getting to get all the, the more opportunities. I, I just don't see the consistency with him that, that makes it as likable. I'd rather even take a Devin. I, I'd rather have Devin Funches. Um, I know that DJ Moore is coming in, and that's going to be the rookie who's going to get a lot of uh, looks. But Funches is still a big, bigger target. He's going to be able to to get some looks in the red zone. Um, it's not going to be an amazing type of. It's, the thing is, you, you can't look at any type of a Carolina 
offense and really project Funches to be super great. But at the same time, when I'm looking at him and Devontae Parker, I'll take the, the, the better chances with an offense that's actually going to move the ball a hell of a lot more than they are in Miami. Yeah. Uh, Parker, you know, the upside's there. If you're looking for a mid-round wide receiver who could just put it all together suddenly, there's a few guys with the profile and open targets uh, of Devontae Parker. You know, he's really struggled to stay on the field at points, but he's put together, you know, slow progress. Um, While his touchdowns haven't, you know, trended the way you want to see them and the yardage, you know, slipped last year, the targets have gone way up, Um, you know, getting Ryan Tannehill back. And if he can stay healthy for a full season, it's hard not to see how he doesn't fall into 120 or so targets um, because they need to see this year if he's going to be a guy they're you know extending a fifth year option to after being a you know first round pick um, because you know he's he's a he's a guy who's been a first round bust so far but the profile is still there uh, from his athletic ability range lankiness uh, and ability to you know sort of get downfield for me. Okay. I agree. Oh, if you want to go, last thing I'll say with him, and then you need to do your thing, or if you want to get to the next batch. But for me, Devontae at the at, at the eye test level hasn't shown one skill set that really differentiates him and makes me think that he's got he's going to turn that corner and come around that bend. I just I know that he's a taller guy that maybe I, I've just never seen it in in action. Um, a great cut, a great comeback, a great catch, um, like he, like we were able to see a little bit in Louisville. I just haven't seen it. Well, you saw it more in his first season where he averaged 19 yards a catch on 26 catches, and then that's steadily gone down to 13.3 yards per catch in 16 and 11.8 yards per reception last year, and he's never been a touchdown threat. So I, I get it that he's going to get the more targets, but I I, I just don't know if it's – if you force targets to him is he also could be the thing that fears me for him. Why I don't think it's going to be a success is we've seen receivers like this in Chicago that you try to force the ball to, and they don't defend a bad pass and passes get picked off. And so if the quarterback starts throwing to him and they're getting picked off because he's not really fighting for it and, 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 and working it and playing defense when the ball is not thrown perfectly, uh, the quarterback will look for somewhere else to throw the ball. Cool. Um, We're done with that little bracket. I'll give you one little question for each of you guys. One one answer. We don't need to talk about it. So we're 35 guys in at wide receivers. Is there a player there? And it can even, it doesn't matter how high you're talking about. Is there a player there that you think, whether it's value or whether you think it's even just a tier one guy that's a league winner, that's just going to have just an an exceptional uh, all-time kind of season? You're talking about a lower guy that 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 jumps. No, no, no. Out of the top, out of the thirty-five, doesn't matter. Is there a guy you think, just feeling in your gut while you're doing your tears, that you think is is going to have one of those all-time seasons, just stars aligned? That you can say Antonio Brown. I just want to hear if you think thirty-five in. There's a guy that's a league winner. I. 
No. Jack <laughs> party. Yeah, it's a tough question. Uh, I guess, I guess the your guys it was kind of Hilton from what I was hearing earlier. Yeah, but what's Ty Hilton going to give me? Fourteen hundred yards and seven touchdowns? Is that the elitist uh, of the elite, or is that a guy who you know provides? good return on his investment for his third round pick. Like the league runner, I always consider to be a guy who's a little bit lower. Like if I draft Robbie Anderson with pick, you know, one Oh six in my draft and he puts up 1200 yards and eight TDs, that's a league winner type pick. So, you know, and one of those guys, can he or any of those backhand guys you talked about, who do you feel best about, or do you, I you feel best about Robbie Anderson? Love it. I love that call. I, I'm going to go Amari Cooper, but I think namesake, he's going to keep rising up. Amari Cooper, I'm going to give him his last little do. Um, but I'm my main guy, and then Houdini, if you want to answer, I know it's a tough question, but I think Demarius Thomas, and I know that my tears probably say this already, but there's something that tells me that Demarius Thomas has got a couple seasons left in him, um, and the situation there on the offense after such two futile years um, there was was still a great defense, and I, I, something tells me that Demarius Thomas is going to uh, get back up in that major top five targets for a wide receiver, get over the 100-catch mark, and just have that season that, again, value pick. He's maybe, what, fourth round, fifth round pick, and he's going to be playing like he's been a second and third rounder over the previous you know, six, seven years of his career. Yeah, so for me, if I if I end up do going running back, running back, and I'm able to end up with like an Alshon Jeffrey and a Josh Gordon on my team, I'm going to be ecstatic, and I'm going to think that I have two receivers that have a potential to be top ten, if not top five. How about that? I love it. I love it. Dope. Um, all right, let's go to that next bracket, and this is going to be the old thirty-six through forty. Pierre Garcon at thirty-six. Sterling Shepard, who I really like at 37. Nelson Aguilar, who I have a feeling one of you mofos is going to like as well. Uh, wide receiver 39, Marquise Goodwin. And wide receiver 40, Cooper Cup. Is, um, do we have a Waz on here on the, on the airways? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do. Somebody, Houdini's got him at wide receiver 32. Oh. Uh, He's a hey cup lover. He sniffs cups. What, what else we can? Uh, cup sniffer. <laughs> yeah. Um, this tier doesn't excite me all that much. Like, um, this is probably another portion of the draft where I'm drafting other positions. Uh, you know, Pierre Garçon's probably a guy likely to see 120 targets again. Um, you know, before going down, he, he was a target monster just – you know, really hadn't scored for for teams and found the end zone. But, you know, that's something that once Jimmy G came into the fold, they scored on a boatload of their drives. Like, uh, while it didn't, you know, touchdowns all the time, and a lot of them were field goals, they still moved the ball well. Uh, and, you know, Cup and – or Jimmy GQ and uh, – Garcon didn't really have any chances to work together. Um, 
So now, now I think he could be that sort of thousand yards, four or five touchdown plug and play flex type of player. And, and you can get him at a pretty good value. Um, so, so I like him. I, I'm just not in love. I'm not going to be hammering the table for it. You know, Deanie, I'm going to, I'm going to just set up and I'm going to talk about the next three guys. Stag party, you set it up by saying this is a tier that you're not all that excited about. I like the consistency that I think you're going to get out of at this draft capital, 36, 37, 38. I like the consistency of Garcon, Sterling Shepard, and Nelson Aguilar. I'm not, I think Marquise Goodwin is, is, is that boomer bust, Gabriel, um, Brandon Cook's light kind of guy. And Cup, again, I'm just, I just, I'm just not there on, on the, on the, uh, on the Rams, I just think there's too many, too many hats, too many uh, mouths to feed. But I like the Garcon consistency and what you're going to get on him for targets and on a week-to-week basis. Is he going to be a top positional week guy out the wazoo? No, but I think he's going to consistently get you points. Um, and I feel the same way about Shepard and Aguilar. I feel like those guys are like – Shepard and Aguilar to me feel like – don't take this too, you know, too, too to heart. But I feel like they're like Stephon Diggs last year, where it's just like I feel like they could be really good. Aguilar, I, I, I definitely don't like the, uh, the Mike Wallace signing by the Eagles for Aguilar's sake, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of consistency there, some real nice games, but the floor is never going to be too low on those three guys week to week. Okay, well, for me, those three guys, I think, as far as consistency, I I mean, I get what you're saying, but I think that with Shepard and Aguilar, those are both in crowded uh, backfields and also, I mean, in in offenses that also have the backfield that gets a lot of passes. I just don't know where I can carve out enough touches for each of them to be worthwhile. I'm actually more excited about the last two guys, Marquise Goodwin and Cooper Cup. And you're talking about Cooper Cup. You're worrying about consistency, and I'm just sitting here going, are we talking about the same guy? This guy was getting targeted almost at least anywhere, what, he had 94 targets as a rookie, finishes with 62 catches for 869 yards, 14 catch uh, yards per catch average, five touchdowns. What else do you want from a rookie? You know, maybe he was the reason why Sammy Watkins wasn't getting targeted as much because Cooper Cup was playing better. So I'll take the upside of a guy that that consistency wise was getting like on the one thing that we said about him was that, well, he's just not giving you the big games. Well, he gave you 200 yard games in his last five. So I'll 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 sit on that. And then with Marquise Goodwin. Wow. Well, you know, yeah, this is not going to be a guy that you can pencil in to start on a weekly basis. And, and but it can be based on matchup. But if you're playing best ball for sure, this is a guy that you got to love uh, just because of his burner speed. And this is 17.2 yards per reception last year. You know, they will take the shots on his world-class speed. It's kind of be like a Willie Galt type situation was with the bears or uh, <laughs> any other, any other sprinters. Uh, was it Ronaldo Nehemiah with the 49ers back in the day? I don't know if there's any other modern sprinters that have. Uh, James, well, now let's go to the old school, James Lofton. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's, 
that's on a real high end. Can he be that? I don't think he can be James Lofton, but if he can be James Lofton light, that would be amazing. And I like the potential upside just for, for the big bang potential that when I got to play him on a potential week, I have a potential that he could, that he could just, you know, get the, the, the big uh, long yards. Cause if you look at his game logs from last year, it was, he, he, he had a, a stretch where he had, okay, it was one catch, 83 yards and a touchdown, then four for 78, eight for 99, six for 106, 10 for 114. If, if, he, if him and Jimmy G get, on, get loving each other and are just connecting, then it, it, you're right. The upside's certainly there. He's got that game. Um, quick question I've got on Cup. Or no, it's not a Cup. It's it's a backing up of of what you just said, Houdini. I saw a lot of points left on the table by Cooper Cup. Right when I remember I tweeted that Cooper Cup had the best hands in the league, I was watching those games, and he dropped two touchdowns. He dropped a lot of passes, and yet he, I feel like that's a a blessing and a benefit for him where he's still this high and still had that great of a rookie season, but still left a lot of points on the, uh, on the, on the table or on the floor. So I'll back you up and think that, you know, in watching cup, I remember being like, Oh my God, he doesn't have the best hands in in the league and making a lot of botch plays where if he had made those, he's catapulting himself up many spots at wide receiver overall on the season. All right, let me hop in here on a couple guys. So we've got Sterling Shepard. My issue with Sterling Shepard is so many targets to go around in that offense. And you look at Sterling Shepard's splits with and without Odell Beckham. With Odell Beckham, he averages four catches on 6.3 targets, .45 reception TDs, and 45 receiving yards. Uh, without him, that number jumps to six six point uh, three receptions on nine targets, point one four receiving uh, touchdowns, and seventy three receiving yards. So, yeah, I, I think there is an opportunity for him to catch five or six touchdowns and be you know an eight hundred uh, yard type receiver when you know all is said and done in the season, but. I think he might end up third, you know, battling with Barkley for third on the team in targets. So I'm not excited to draft him. Um, a couple other guys. Can I ask you uh, a question? If you, if yeah. you had OBJ, OBJ, let's look at his game logs. Let's look and be honest with ourselves. And I love him. I think OBJ could easily be the wide receiver one this year. But if OBJ does get hurt, if something goes wrong, what then – do you like as a handcuff? We know we don't love that word too much, but do you, then all of a sudden are things glorious for Shepard or is it still a tough situation? I feel like no. he's in that spot where, where like OBJ seems to fucking get banged up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like Sterling Shepard a lot more if Odell Beckham's not playing, but I'm not going to count on that type of thing. Uh, like he's being drafted before. Uh, Robbie Anderson and Kenny Stills, who have more uh, suitable targets. I mean, even Kelvin Benjamin has uh, you know more targets. Guys like Marquise Lee and Rashard Matthews, they've got a clear path for targets. And if you know, I'm betting on projectable and probable outcomes, so I'm not going to bet on injuries. You know, 
I like it. Amen. Awesome point. Dini, what do you got? Do you want to talk about any of these guys or we move to the next batch? I got a couple more. Okay. Nelson Aguilar scored eight touchdowns last season. Uh, you know, they scored a ton of passing touchdowns, especially with, um, you know, Carson Wentz under center. He had an astronomical touchdown rate. That's something that's likely to regress uh, this season. So I, I don't see him finding the end zone eight times, but could he be another 805 touchdown guy, sort of like Sterling Shepard? Yeah, I think that's more his range uh, of possibilities. Goodwin, I do agree with Houdini that he's got that upside because of that, you know, one elite trait. Usually when I'm looking for a wide receiver deep in the draft, I'm looking for one thing that they really do well. And if they hit that home, they're going to keep going. Uh, So his ability to go deep in his chemistry with Jimmy was definitely there. So I like Goodwin. And and Cup, I I agree that he left a a lot of points on the field last year, but we know – you know, touchdown or drops are sort of a byproduct of getting open. And to get more targets, you need to get open. So I'm not too worried about that. He was heavily targeted in the red zone. He was their preferred red zone wide receiver. So I definitely like Cup as a guy who could be a sneaky candidate for double-digit touchdowns. So I definitely think he's worth uh, a shot. And you guys know how I fucking hate Cup. Yeah, so we got to move him up too. We got to move up him and uh, and Goodwin um, a little bit. I think I like the other guys the consistency, but their 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 ceilings are, are super low. Um, let's go to the next batch, and that's going to be wide receiver forty one is Chris Hogan, wide receiver forty two Martavis. I can't stop doing drugs, Bryant. Uh, wide receiver 43, Marquise Lee. Wide receiver 44, Will Fuller. And wide receiver 45, Josh Doxson. Oh, this is a this is this is basically like anti Viagra um, block for me. Maybe Lee I, is all I'm liking. I'm not gonna say a word. I'm gonna let you guys uh, fill in the holes. I think I hate this this batch almost as much as you do. The the one guy that I I like better out of this bunch is uh, Will Fuller. Um, you know, again, if you have Deshaun Watson and you have uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, that's going to be doing his thing and, and drawing attention away. And we saw when when Fuller came back last year, uh, the the type of effect that he can have. You know, so I I, I just I, I look at that and I say, okay, well. You know, and also with with his speed too, the propensity for big plays. You know, here's a guy that uh, in his career is averaging more than 14 yards a catch. Last year was up to 15.1. So um, the problem for him is target share. He doesn't get a ton of the target share. So uh, and and also the, I understand too, and this is where Stags is going to come at me on the Will Fuller part is that touchdown dependency he was very high touchdown dependency you know he caught 28 passes seven of them were touchdowns last year okay so that's a ridiculous number that is not going to continue you're not going to get 25 percent of your passes are going to be touchdowns so i get that but he does have the bigger play potential and i think he's a lot better you know when you when you put him in the whole season i don't think he's going to be 
a 700-yard guy. I think he's going to be more around that 900. And if you give him 900 yards and I say, if he plays a whole season, give him seven touchdowns on the whole season, uh, I think that's a realistic number. And I, I, that's why I still like him in this group. Yeah, uh, we did talk about that touchdown expectation. One thing is, though, he made a lot of those plays deep down the field. So it's not like he was just one-yard touchdowns and it's not something that I repeat because his one great asset is long speed and, you know, getting separation on vertical routes. So, you know, that could be something where he's, you know, pretty good at scoring touchdowns in his career. Chris Hogan, uh, that's a guy who, in, in you know, games without Julian Edelman, his numbers look much better. Uh, in, in nine games, his PPR points per game go from 8.8 up to 12.1. Uh, his targets nearly uh, go from a 62-16 game pace up to 105. Uh, and while his other numbers don't really change, his touchdown expectation or his touchdowns per game sort of double there uh, from 0.27 to 0.56. So, you know, if Edelman's out for those first four games uh, and Chris Hogan can manage to stay healthy, this is a guy who could be, you know, a little bit of a value and maybe he's a guy you draft and then can sell high on after the first four to six weeks of the season because he's been an asset. He's just never had more than 61 targets in a season and he's never played a full 16 game schedule. Um, But, you know, he does show up when it matters. Like this guy has had some of the best playoff games on the Patriots over the last two years. Yeah. And I, and I, you have to do say without Brandon cooks there now too, that should give him uh, more of an uptick in his target share and Amendola has gone too. So, yep. you know, they, they did clean house there and they did bring him in uh, as a guy that uh, was on a, a team in the division's roster, you know, so AKA a, a Danny Woodhead, who was always a underdrafting and overperforming player. So is that, is that where Chris Hogan is potentially, or is it just more for those first six weeks and then try to try to bail on it and get as much value as possible? I mean, uh, it, he could be a guy who really, you know, exceeds his ADP. But if he's has a hot first four weeks of the season and I'm getting offers, I will divest. Um, I'm just playing the odds here, you know? Yep. Uh, A couple other guys, you know, Martavis Bryant. Uh, I think this is a little high for me. Uh, I draft him more as a wide receiver five, you know, just just the upside. Maybe he does become the number two wide receiver and plays on the outside, uh, you know, on all snaps uh, and, you know, provides Derek Carr a deep option. But Derek Carr is not a guy who likes to push it down the field. He likes the underneath targets. He likes getting it out quick, even though he has one of the best offensive lines in the league. But I, I just don't see how, you know, quarterback and wide receiver mesh there. Uh, but maybe maybe I could be wrong. Marquise Lee, like, he's just going to probably put up some yards, be, you know, 120 targets, maybe approach 1,000 yards uh, by being the de facto number one on this team. But he's also got, you know, those injury 
sort of warts we've talked about with some of these other guys. But over the last two years, he's 38th in, among line receivers in receiving yards. Um, it, he's sort of the classic five for 50, though, for me. Like, It's nothing that's going to make you go, go ah, yeah, Marquise Lee. This doesn't happen. Yeah. So over the last three seasons, he's had just two 100-yard games. But they cleaned house. No Allen Hearns anymore. No Allen Robinson um, so now it's, you know, Lee and a bunch of unproven players in Dante Moncrief, D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, D.J. Sharp. So if you're putting money down on who leads this team in targets, it's definitely, you know, the safe bet to go with Marquise Lee. Yep. You got, we got uh, anything to say on Josh Doxson? Uh, the, another underperforming uh, wide. Basically, what was it? I think if you go back, was it the last is it three uh, draft classes that we have not really been thrilled by wide receiver production? Yeah, and you have we gotten to a rookie wide receiver yet in our ranks? Nope. Uh, We're close. We're close, but not yet. It did. Um, I, just, I, I actually I just, like I like Doxon a little bit. Best strength of schedule. I think he's he's gonna dip further than this in reality. Um, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not against him having a kind of an all right season based on uh, where he's drafted. He has been a bust so far, um, but maybe, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of am not worried about him as much as some of these other guys. Well, but with him, the worry for me is that if, if his also best weapon is his stretch the field ability, you're bringing in a guy who traditionally does not throw the stretch the field ball in Alex Smith. I think he's a 50-50 in red zone. I think that's really where he, where he gets you. He's a big dude. I know he's fast for his size, but I think his 50-50 ball um, as well as um, his red zone is where – Long term, throughout his career, he's really going to excel. Which maybe you know, maybe he is. What hey, maybe he becomes Smith Kelsey? D Rex, what was what was Alex Smith's nickname? Check down, Charlie. There you go. Right. Yeah, Dotson. The the thing you like is maybe touchdowns. He did score six. Uh, he should be on the field a ton in two wide receiver sets. Um, you know, really the only guy they brought in was Paul Richardson. But this is still a high-volume passing team, and maybe Alex Smith, you know, is a better distributor of the football. So maybe Kirk wants to take shots downfield, but maybe, you know, the throws are a little bit more accurate for a guy like Dotson who had a, you know, low catch percentage last year. Uh, I mean – in the week sixteen against uh, week sixteen game against Denver, he caught just two of thirteen targets. <laughs> That's not good. Not That's good. Zay Jones level, Noonan. Yeah. Oh, hey, so this guy's going to the H O F Yellow Jackets. Let's unite. <laughs> um. All right, let's go to the next bracket, of guys. You know what? We're gonna do something first. We're gonna have you guys listen to some of our sponsors. And we're fired up to do it. So have a listen to this, and then we're going to come back to our next batch. 
Cool. Thank you. This next batch has got Richard Matthews, uh, a guy that obviously both my counterparts love at number 46. Number 47, Randall Cobb. Uh, 48, Alan Hearns. Wow. 48 is the Cowboys wide receiver one right now. It's at 48. Um, wide receiver 49 is Kenny Stills. <clears throat> and our first rookie is sitting in at wide receiver 50, DJ Moore, Carolina's new hopeful toy for Cam Newton. Um, which one of you guys wants to go first? Raise your hand. There's no video. Get after it. Get after it. <laughs> I'll jump. I'll jump in. I I like the uh, every other uh, guy here as my favorites. Uh, um, um, I like Richard Matthews. You know, again, Corey Davis needs to prove it to me. Uh, Mariota knows what's what he has in Richard Matthews. Matthews has just been a consistent player since he's entered the league. Um, I, I I think that that just makes it that much easier for me to to buy into this guy. I mean, if you're, you're going back and looking and, and last year was, was not a great year. He finished with just under uh, 800 yards and four touchdowns had 945 and nine touchdowns a year before that. But he's a guy that can give you big games. He's also a guy that uh, provides a decent floor, usually is scoring a decent, uh, uh, you know, five to six touchdowns a year. So I, I like his production. So Richard, I like, you know, when I talk, you talk about the first and uh, receiver for Dallas, Alan Hearns, they don't have anybody else there that you can trust. And Alan Hearns, uh, you know, has never been a number one. Um, but at the same time, this is not going to be a team that's going to be throwing nearly as much. So don't expect just because he's the number one there that all of a sudden he's going to get a huge target share. I, I have a feeling that Dak Prescott is probably going to be hard pressed to have uh, many games with more than uh, 30, 30 attempts. I, I probably figure he's probably going to be closer to maxing out like around Tyrod Taylor type numbers from last year. And you guys can tell me if you agree or disagree with that. And I like DJ Moore. I, I think that this rookie, you know, what, well, again, what's the competition that he's got there? He's got Devin Funches who uh, has he been bunches of Funches since he's entered the NFL? No. And you have Curtis Samuel who still is having problems getting on the field and staying healthy and Christian McCaffrey, who is basically having to be uh, another de facto wide receiver. So DJ Moore is going to be able to step in and immediately, uh, I think, kind of take over probably by about week seven that he'll become the, the number one wide receiver in that offense. I think when you look at the final numbers on the whole season, uh, based on Devin Funches getting that earlier head start, I think he probably may finish with better numbers. Uh, but I think DJ Moore will be the more effective receiver that you'll want on your team uh, in your playoff run. Yeah. So hopping in, piggybacking on some of those ideas and uh, talking about others, Richard Matthews, uh, he should benefit from a low touchdown rate from Marcus Mariota last season. This is a guy who dropped from nine touchdowns in 2016 down to four. Uh, He only 14 games. He's got a little banged up, but you know, basically he's been on pace for, you know, 900 or so yards over the last couple of years. Well, it might not be premium uh, production. You're getting a guy who's going to likely outperform his ADP. Uh, so I, I just like Richard there. Uh, I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's getting, you know, 905 touchdowns. Uh, so that projectable volumes there for me. And you can sort of, 
you know, scheme the games to play him because, you know, there's some bad defenses in that division that he gets to feast on, and that that's a plus for him. You probably want to avoid teams like the Jags, however. Um, Randall Cobb, you know, this is an offense now without Jordy Nelson. Um, you know, it could look much different. Cobb hasn't been healthy for the last, you know, couple years and currently might not be healthy himself. But he finished as the 41st wide receiver in standard scoring uh, despite playing just 14 games. You know, you could probably pencil him in for 70-plus receptions uh, on 100 and maybe maybe a little more than 110 targets. Uh, and he does have some touchdown upside. He's had a double-digit touchdown season. He's had an eight-touchdown season. While he may be more like a six-touchdown player, uh, you know, it's something that's in the realm of possibilities. He's en- he's going to be turning age 28 at the very beginning of the season, end of the preseason. So, you know, it's not a guy who's old and over the hill. The rest of the depth chart behind Devontae and- Adams and Randall Cobb and uh, also let's just throw in uh, – Jimmy Graham into the score as well. It's Geronimo Allison. And a couple uh, dynamic rookies. Uh, a couple dynamic rookies, but, you know, rookie wide receivers haven't done well all that late, uh, uh, all that well as of late. Uh, and, you know, these are three guys that are going to be battling for playing time. Um, and, and it's not like they were premium picks. They were, what, fourth, fifth? Fourth, sixth, and seventh, or were they fifth, sixth, and seventh? Um, I, I love, I love your, I love the cop call. Who does, who's everyone's darling as being the MVP preseason this year? Who's everyone's darling at being the QB one this year? Who's a guy that's as consistent as it gets over the last whatever? Got injured last year, obviously a little bit of a wreck. He's basically best friends with Aaron Rodgers. Jordy's. Another one of his best friends gone now. We know what you're going to get out of, um, you know, Devontae Adams. Cobb is looking like a great value pick. People are going to shy away from him because they've been burned by him and think he's old and and always injured and decrepit. And maybe that maybe that's the truth. But the upside of everything happens and he plays that 16 and he's in in those games is like good good times for the Cobb man. Yeah, uh, mo- moving on to Alan Hearns. Uh, basically, every season he's played, he's seen like 17 to 18% of his team's targets when on the field. He's just had trouble staying on it uh, over the last couple of years, missing a combined 11 games. Um, you know, he could see 60 or so. Like, is Alan Hearns better than Terrence Williams? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, do we really think uh, a guy like Cole Beasley is suddenly going to take a step forward and lead the team in targets uh, enough to get him the most yards? No, but I think I, I think he's going. It's going to be a lot of wide receiver by committee. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's I, no, he's not going to have the most yards, but I do think he might have the most targets. Cole Beasley. Yeah, he might have the most targets. Maybe. I mean, 
it, the most targeted player could end up with like 85 targets. I agree. This I'm not be- saying it's great. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I can see him. I can see Cole being that Chuck. I can see Dak being saying, you know what? Alex Smith has made a great career for himself by not fucking up and being that slow and steady guy. That's the path I'm taking. <laughs> I think that might be a good thing with this wide receiving core. So, because uh, besides Michael Gallup, is there anybody here that even screams any upside? Like they, they've got, you know, Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson and Katie Cannon, but Katie Cannon's bat, uh, bounced around the league. You know, Noah Brown really hasn't done anything. Was the seventh round pick. Uh, there's mean, just between us, a between lot to know. I think Hearns could be a good, great pick. At wide receiver 48, if he plays 16 games, um, in all honesty, I, I think he could be a guy that's in your starting lineup or you're flexing. Um, I like I like Hearns. I think this is a value pick. Yeah. Um, who no. else is in? Anybody, no one else agree with me? Can, can still- no, I do. I don't love it. I, I'm okay with it, you know? Like, I prefer Kenny Stills, but. Well, he's the last guy that we haven't talked about. Yeah, go ahead. and it, Go ahead and talk about it. But one question I got before while we're on Hearns. Can Gallup, who I love, you know, preseason Miller and Gallup are my are pre-draft. Those guys, on just by watching the tape, seemed to be like dudes that were going to be great in the NFL to me. Um, do you think Gallup can uh, – we know we know rookies aren't going to go crazy, but is, is Gallup the wide receiver too? Or is it going to be Hearns number one, Williams, uh, you know, number two, Terrence Williams number two, and then you got your slot, Beasley. Do you think Gallup can help Hearns or be the number one himself? Uh, I think it's going to take a little bit longer to, uh, you know, sort of profile. Like, He's one of these big physical receivers, and when you're a, a big physical receiver, you have to learn how to create separation in the NFL because you can't, you know, power over 180 pound corners like you could at Colorado State. Uh, you know, these guys are bigger, stronger, and faster, so you've got to, you know, find ways to take your game to the next level. Cool. Let's take our so any- let's, take, let's, let's take this conversation to the next. Group of players. <laughs> Kenny Stills. Why don't you like Kenny Stills? Oh, like you, I, you know want what? Nothing to do with Miami receivers. Pretty much, I'm pretty much staying away from Miami as like one of those teams that I just don't want to have any players on. But if if I if you were going to force me to have a, a Miami Dolphin player on my team, I, I think it would be Kenny Stills. Um, Where did Kenny Stills finish last season? Probably finished what like wide receiver thirty four or something. Wide receiver twenty six. What was Twenty six. Twenty six. He had he had he had three huge games. Yeah, yeah. No, but I like so, I like him. I like the way Stag Party, you're the greatest. And I'm not this isn't a knock, but I like that you like this guy, but earlier in the show, and this again, this is just shows how you just look at the raw stats and don't bundle things together. You hate the the gameplay and you kinda hate the offensive mind and the head coach in mind of the offense, but you're willing to recognize a value and a guy that's actually 
been pretty much fantasy value, um, viable even back when he was on the Saints. He's he's always been the he's kind of a Rashard Matthews. He's kind mm-hmm. of this afterthought. But you're, I like I like the way you're willing to say, "Hey, the stats suck here, the stats suck here," but this dude gets it done, and I'm still down with him. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Stills has just ended up being a value over the last two seasons. Uh, you know, he had 81 and then 105 targets over the last two seasons, uh, 15 touchdowns over the last two years, which is going to surprise some people. Wow. Um, and yeah, he's and being all, drafted all over along. Yeah, he he's a big play threat. Like when I'm drafting guys late, I want guys that have a skill that's going to keep them on the field. And going deep is a skill that's important in the NFL. And he's not going to be the most consistent guy um, on your roster, but you know he's currently being drafted right around the same time as Robbie Anderson at pick 107 in MFL 10s over the last month. So, uh, you know, with no Jarvis Landry, you know, Devontae Parker. You like you know, that? Being, hold, on, hold on, Can I, sorry to interrupt you, but do you like that? Or does that scare you? Because he's kind of, he's kind of a hot commodity. That sounds like then. I mean, he's being drafted as like wide receiver 50 something. All uh, right. Yeah, give me a second. Robbie's, Robbie's situation has him dropping. Okay, cool. Um, go on. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, we talked about how bad that Robbie Anderson, you know, sort of look was. I mean, he's never going to be a, a great uh, PPR producer, but the yardage and the touchdown upside, along with, you know, potentially more targets, because outside of Devontae Parker, you know, there's no real established force. And even Devontae Parker's not established. You know, you're looking at a rookie tight tight end in Gasecki. You're looking at either uh, a third-year back in Kenyon Drake, uh, Kayleen Bellage, or the 40th year Frank Gore catching passes out of the backfield. So there's just some projectable volume. And when it's this late in drafts, you know, I, I can go for that. Cool. Uh, go to DJ Moore if you want. And one thing with Kenny Stills, he's got a nice strength to schedule. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I Another injury-prone guy we talked about earlier, Devontae Parker. Seems like Stills is always in the field. Yeah, yes. Uh, the thing on DJ Moore is we talked about concentration of offense, right? So unless you think Devin Funches takes a step back and DJ Moore becomes their wide receiver one in terms of target share. How can you divide up that many targets to go DJ Moore's way when you still have Greg Olson on the field demanding targets? And we know how him and Cam have a love affair. And then you've got Christian McCaffrey on the field who should see a hundred plus targets in his second season. So, you know, unless you're saying Devin Funches is going to go back down under a hundred targets, is DJ Moore also going to be that? Because now we're talking about four players with 95 or 100 targets, which has happened like just by two teams over the last six years. Uh, and those are the Saints and the Bears. Well, I'll go back to what I'll go back to what I said when I was talking about him. Devin Funches will be the guy for the first half of the season, and DJ Moore will be the guy for the second half of the season. Okay, that's how it can happen. Okay, here's what I, here's what I would say. 
Funches, I think they made a pronounced action, and I hate Torrey Smith, but I think uh, the Riverboat Ron made made a decision that he didn't want Funches, a guy that three years ago was the laughing stock of this podcast and obviously has exceeded every expectation every season he's been in the league. But Riverboat Ron realized, like, oh, my God, even when they had Calvin Benjamin, who they were willing to give away for nothing, more or less, they're like, we've got such crappy wide receivers. And they went out and they got DJ Moore in the first round. They grabbed Torrey Smith, who is garbage, but plays his role and can stretch the field in the way that Ted Ginn did so well the year they went to the Super Bowl. I think Funches is in for a real big regression and brought down to earth. You got Curtis Samuel going into his second year, who you know that in college is amazing. Last year it looked pretty problematic uh, at times, but I don't know. I just don't see – I see a lot of the receiving game getting pulled away from Funches, who just was the default last year. Um, to utilizing all the new last year rookies and then even the, the running back, you know, obviously McCaffrey as well. Funches, I'm staying away from. Okay. Um, let's move on to the next tier. We're looking at the big sexy Kelvin Benjamin, Des Bryant, Kenny Galladay, and Paul Richardson. Uh, and then at wide receiver 55, we've got Anthony Miller. So Kelvin Benjamin, I, I don't have a great stat to tell you that he isn't good, but if uh, you watch Kelvin Benjamin play and been excited, um, you know, it's it's never been great. I mean, you're just expecting a red zone presence, but this is a team with A.J. McCarron or Nathan Peterman or Josh Allen at quarterback this season that – you know, doesn't project to have a great pass game, but hey, Kelvin Benjamin, I guess, could see a quarter of it and end up with 120 targets. And you know, I'm trying to talk myself into but it. He, stuff. Yeah, so you're not doing a good job, which is which is says it all. He's not that great. The only year we always thought as a first round overdrafted guy, the only year that, that Carolina went to the Super Bowl is the year that he was. Out with the uh, uh, season end season. You know what? Here, here's the other thing. When you get to this point, uh, in as far deep down as we are into the 50s of wide receivers, ask yourself this question: Do you think that this guy's best football is ahead of him or behind him? Great point. Great point. Probably. You know, we're talking about guys right now, 50 and lower. These are the guys that you're going for upside. Maybe if you if you try to overextend and, and strike it rich with other picks, maybe here you're going with some slow and steady guys that you think are going to have. But great, great point, Houdini. Like, go for go for the gusto here. And is this guy going to do his better ball this year, or is he going to be garbage? Yeah, and if you look at it that way, so you got Kelvin and Dez up at the top of this grouping. Let let's let's say I would rather have. You know, well, Des, I need to know where Des is going to go. He'll, he'll, could be higher depending on, on, on where his landing spot is. Take Des Bryant out of your tears until he signs somewhere. Okay. Cause can, is there a chance that Des just doesn't sign anywhere and has like a 
Terrell Owens, you know, season off where he just sort of disappears. Uh, I don't think nope. so. He says, he says literally his Twitter account, I don't know if I retweeted or not, probably not, but he said, finding a home is not my problem right now. Maybe he's full of shit, but he's just trying. Could I see him not signing even, you know, before the season? A little bit. But at one point, a team's going to need him and he's going to go in before he just like it with what's going on with Reed and, um, you know, Kaepernick and some of the players in the league that are a little bit more boisterous. Even Terrell Owens himself went off into uh, the ether. He needs to stay in the league and he knows that. Yeah, okay. How many teams, if Des Bryant signs there, are you going to be excited to draft him up? I mean, I'm not excited about Des Bryant on on any team. In all, I think there's one. Even if you even if you went to Green Bay or to or okay. to New York Giants, which are the two, two I'd hate them on the Giants. Yeah, I'm not, not too psyched about them. Not the Giants, but Green Bay would be would be a good landing spot. That's the only one I could think of that's, hey, I'd be excited to maybe get Des Bryant as my fifth wide receiver. And that, that just sort of says it all right now. Says uh, it all. You know, so, he's so unsigned. Me- uh, maybe that's for a reason. Maybe it's not. But even if he signs late in the training camp, that's late getting into the playbook, uh, late learning the system, late having chemistry with the quarterbacks. And that's all things, you know, I want, like, Sammy Watkins getting traded the week before the season started. Not fucking ideal. You don't want. Yeah, yeah, no, I got you. Yeah. And, 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 and who knows? Is Dez, like, working like a badass every day right now um, while, he, while he's not on a team? Um, I hope so. But is he or is he not and has made a shot load of money and – the minute he gets signed, all of a sudden he's got to go gusto, and then he's the injury prone, which well, we know has happened. There's not, a, there's not a wide receiver on the list. You can go to 200. There's not a guy that you know in preseason based on his injury, whether it's a foot, uh, a quadricep, whether he's going in 100% or not, and it's rare that he, he's had like three seasons that he's – been healthy going into the end of the season. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, with, with Des is again, is his best football ahead of him. And I don't think so. I think his best football is behind him. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about the guys that have their best football ahead of them. So you got, after Des, you got Kenny Galladay, Paul Richardson, and Anthony Miller. I really love Kenny Galladay. And the reason is, is twofold. Number one, he's dynamic and he does some things that both uh, Marvin Jones and uh, Golden Tate don't do or both do, and which means that he can be interchangeable with those guys. Now that also becomes really valuable. Now we, they've those two guys have been remarkably healthy and consistent receivers, but God forbid something were to happen to them, Galladay steps right into a very uh, good passing offense and would 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 step. You know, I don't think would lose a beat. And I think that after what he showed in his spurts last year, that they're going to find ways to kind of incorporate him more and take more shots with him this year as well. Uh, And then to Paul Richardson, you're going to Washington 
And the guy that we talked about earlier, who there's a lot of question marks on in Josh Doxson, if Doxson ends up being the bust that he has been so far, well, then that opens the door immensely for Paul Richardson to step in and take a much bigger role. And, uh, and here in Chicago, we know that Anthony Miller is already slotted as a slot receiver. He's going to step right in and, you know, going to be one of those guys play from year one. You know, he may have a chance as far as wide receivers go to have one of the better uh, rookie seasons amongst wide receivers because of that. Uh, but at the same time, he may not be the best long-term wide receiver out of this class. Yeah, so I, I definitely like the, this group of three more. Kenny Galladay, um, you know, they got rid of Eric Ebron. So this looks like an offense that could really have a wide receiver-centric focused passing game. Um, so that leaves room for Kenny Galladay to maybe see more targets than expected because there's no real receiving tight end on the roster. Uh, Paul Richardson, you know, he could maybe step into a Deshaun Jackson role uh, at, that he vacated a couple seasons ago. But, you know, they've been missing a player with that speed stretch element, and Richardson brings that. Uh, we saw the success of Tyree Kill and Alex Smith you know, taking those shot plays last season. I think Gruden's going to, you know, draw some of those up, give them to Paul Richardson. You know, we talked about Dotson already having that go up and get it style. But I, I like my, I might like the fit of Richardson a little bit more um, with Alex Smith than most. Anthony Miller himself, um, you know, things are looking up. I, I just don't see... You know, are are they going to be a two tight end heavy team and have Shaheen on the field a lot? Or is it going to be Trey Burton is their big slot receiver, which has been said. Um, Is Anthony Miller going to be on the field in two wide receiver sets when Burton is that sort of big slot? So there's just a lot of things that are going to have to be determined in Chicago in terms of the pecking order because everything's new here. It's not just, you know, small tweaks. You've got, you know, pretty much every single target, you know, being replaced in the passing game. Um, and they've got to determine how that's going to shake out. I'm, I'm fired up for this kid. Obviously we, we've talked earlier and a lot over the years about what you can actually do for fantasy football owners as a rookie, but Anthony Miller I think he's going to be able to do some good things. I think him and DJ, in my opinion, DJ Moore, those are the two rookies that you're taking in fantasy football that just might, just might do some special things. So I guess the question is, is Anthony Miller going to have Cooper Cup-like stats? Uh, I, I Yeah, I think, I think Anthony Miller will be – the number two receiver on our team. I think he's going to, he's just a fucking sick player. Everything I watch with that guy, if healthy, I think he's going to be one of those guys after this season, like, whoa. I, I think he's going to have a, a, some, some really good moments. Is he going to be as, as good as productive as Cooper cup was last year? No, but if he gives the bears uh, 50 receptions for, uh, for 650 to 700 yards and three or four touchdowns, I think that that's really good. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to this next group of five. But before we do, 
Let's take a listen to this. Next group of five, led off by wide receiver 56, Deshaun Jackson, followed by Tyrell Williams, Corey Coleman, D.D. Westbrook, and Christian Kirk, the rookie out of Texas A&M University. Um, Sean Jackson. Like, him and Jameis just didn't have it last year. But Deshaun Jackson has just been one of the most elite field stretchers uh, in the league. Didn't look like he lost a step. He just looked like they weren't on the same page. Now, how is not having him for the first three games going to help with that? Uh, Maybe it could a little bit because maybe Jameis takes a lot more snaps in preseason and these guys work together um, than than, than he typically would. Aren't Uh, aren't you more worried about Chris Godwin? I mean, aren't you kind of – Deshaun Jackson seems like he's leftover salmon to me. And I I think maybe he went – he was always a – low-volume, high-impact, you know, stretch-the-field, long-touchdown guy, and that's where he made his hay. Um, now I, I feel like, Houdini, I like your, 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 your barometer. Are his best days behind him? Even though I don't think he's any slower than a lot of the guys, I just, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm scared of the guy. I think his best days are behind him. And he was garbage on the new team last year. Yeah, for me, I, I can't buy on him this year. I bought on him last year, and it it, it, it busted in my face, which probably means that he'll be a great buy this year. <laughs> <laughs> I but, mean, I like just God, Godwin was one of the most for, for uh, pro football focus. I think Godwin was the second most um, effective rookie in the, the, the plays and the targets he's getting last year. And he was a guy that dropped weirdly from Penn State. And I don't know. I just don't know if this team's constructed to be able to do that. Stretch the field, Delio to Deshaun. I don't know. I'm, I, I'd like to talk about the next guy who I know Stag Party has always he, – he helped me win a league two years ago by me drafting him – or not drafting him, picking him up in week four. And – Still, at this point, he's amazing, and he's a value pick, Terrell Williams. Yeah, so Tyrell Williams, the thing you like about him is sort of this Hunter Henry injury that people are talking about. Because yep. we look at the splits with and without Hunter Henry on the field, and Tyrell Williams, his receiving numbers don't change, but his touchdown opportunities change in a big way. Uh, we know Keenan Allen's going to be the major part of this offense uh, in the receiving game. But beyond that, they haven't went out and re-signed Antonio Gates, which means their leading tight end is Virgil Green. Uh, Tyrell Williams somehow finished 39th uh, among wide receivers uh, last season uh, in standard scoring, despite having just 69 nice targets. Um you know, the year without Keenan Allen, he had 119. I, I think those numbers are going to mesh in the middle of this year. So he's going to be a guy with, you know, 50 or so receptions, but he profiles like a Vincent Jackson type that can get it done vertically down the field, can run that, you know, stretch crosser uh, that Phillip Rivers likes to throw so much, 
an average between 15 and 17 yards a catch. Um, so while it's not going to be, you know, clean on a weekly basis, he's got the big game upside. Even last year he had just two or he had two 100-yard games. Uh, the year before that he had another three. So this is a guy with big playability, some touchdown ability. Uh, so, you know, without Hunter Henry and, you know, with uh, Travis Benjamin, more of a role player, and Mike Williams still probably needing some time to develop. There, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Tyrell Williams to come in and exceed, and you know, play a vital role in this offense that should be one of the best in football. Cool, um, Corey Coleman. You know, you said he's dead. You dead? He's dead to you? I mean, he's not dead to me. When he's been on the field, he's played well. I just don't know how often he's going to be on the field. I don't know if they're even going to make room for him on the field in this current iteration of the Cleveland offense. I mean, the GM went out and he got his own guys, right? Like, uh, you know, they moved, they moved around in the draft. They added, you know, Antonio Callaway with the high pick. They went out and, you know, signed Jeff Janis. Um, whether that's just for his role as a gunner on special teams or if they expect him to play a role as a wide receiver, that remains to be seen. But, you know, Coleman's just, he looks like he's on the outs. The other problem that you have here is how many, again, how how much offense do you think Cleveland is actually going to give you? You know, I don't think that Cleveland's going to be putting up – yeah, it's so there's at this point, why would you want to have the third or, or fourth wide receiver on Cleveland? Yeah, that's a good. Point. Why would you, why would you want to have until you? Why would you want to have any of the running backs either? It's, right. There's just so many guys there that it just seems like it's not gonna uh, it's not gonna hold up. There's no, no way you're gonna be starting that person on a week to week basis, non best ball, and feeling good with what happens it's going to be a carousel right so now go on the flip side and go to a a better situation for say dd westbrook right so dd westbrook now alan hearns is gone alan robinson is gone he was the guy that came in toward uh uh, mid mid season around week 10 or whatever it was started getting a lot of targets then kind of disappeared for a little bit then came back a little bit as uh him and keelan cole were kind of going back and forth cole was gotten the a lot more of the bigger splashes, but they they seem to be really dedicated a lot to trying to to, to use Didi on short little uh, cuts near the in the red zone, and and he was scoring some touchdowns. So again, with all these guys gone, it's going to be a matter of who's going to step up and make that difference. And I think that him and what he and both uh, Keelan Cole do, are, I think, are, are a bit different. So I think that. You know, I'd rather take my chance here instead of like a guy like Deshaun Jackson or a Corey Coleman. Uh, I'll take a, the upside on a D.D. Westbrook, uh, even though it's not an amazing offense, but it's an offense that's steady with Leonard Fournette and is going to take chances. My thought was just with D.D. Westbrook that he felt too um, similar for me to Marquise Lee. And I wanted, I felt like the Keenan Cole could be more of the upside guy, the big play guy, and, and kind of piggyback this season on what he was able to do last year, which was 
at a top positional week, a guy that was in the top 12 at wide receivers. I think he did it four weeks or something. Stag party, you could, but it was a ridiculous amount. And I feel like Marquise Lee's game and D.D. Westbrook's game are a little bit more, um, you know, uh, uh, congruent. And I feel like uh, Cole, in this situation on this team, with Allen Robinson being gone, is the one that can uh, see a little more light of the day for fantasy owners. I mean, yeah, with Keelan Cole, he's basically the number three wide receiver in standard scoring over the last five weeks of the season. So it's not like that was bad. That was good for him. He (laughs) put on a stretch where he put up 475 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Um, he had two games over 100 yards in a row coming against Houston and San Francisco while not great defenses. The Jaguars also look to have, you know, a pretty decent schedule. And, um, you know, as soon as he sort of got on the field, uh, it, it really started to click for him. So I think Cole's a guy who is a little bit underrated. Um, D.D. Westbrook, uh, D.D., it's sort of a confounding comp for me because he's a guy who, you know, lit up the preseason, you know, led the preseason in receiving yards, had a bunch of big vertical stretch plays to where, you know, Blake Bortles is the guy who likes to take some shots. And when you have Leonard Fournette and you run a, you know, play action scheme, that's something that could work out. But they, they did seem to use him more like they use Marquise Lee and, you know, run the quick shuttle routes and get them open quick and get the ball in his hands. I don't know if is ever going to be a great yak player, but uh, maybe if it's something he could add to his game, then he can round out a pretty nice profile. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough, tough, you know, projection for this team as a whole. Because then, you know, you've got Dante Moncrief, who he has his own crazy athletic profile. And then they drafted DJ Shark, who's a size-speed freak um, in the second round. So they spent a lot of draft capital there. So it's going to be a... It's going to be something we need to see shake out. These are guys who are probably going to end up on a waiver wire watch list in most redraft leagues for me. And I agree with that. Before you go on, Houdini, one thing to know about D.D. Westbrook is look at that guy's body, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but he's basically like one of the smallest wide receivers in the league. He is, he's like 170 pounds. He makes John Brown um, look like a, look like a, a big wide receiver. He's a little dude. And Juwan Taylor is the same way, and I love his skill set. So I know these guys are great, and there's a place for them in the league. Um, when you can't touch them, you can't tackle them. But he, he scares me in that right. I, under, I understand all that. What I'm saying is here's a young player in an opportunity where he could earn more touches. You know, it's still kind of fluid. You know, nothing is set in stone where it's not like it's not like it's Antonio Brown and whatever. This is two guys that were both rookies last year that are now going to be much bigger parts of this offense in Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook. It all just remains to be seen how everything truly shakes itself out. You know, yes. we don't have we have we've had such a small sample size is all I'm saying. 
You are. Uh, one thing to know about the Jacksonville Jaguars from this tab in the draft kit, pick it up. You got uh, four days to get it for $15. It's the 2018 Pyro draft kit. Everyone in this industry is doing draft kits now. Eh, I feel like we were one of the first and one of the best. We've been doing this shit for about seven years. Um, but grab that. In the draft kit, one of the things, strength the schedule, um, and, and absolutely the strength of schedule for the Jacksonville Jaguars is favorable. They have the second easiest strength of schedule against defensive backs and other defenses this season. Yeah. Um, Christian Kirk, I know Houdini is a bigger fan than I. Um, I'm just worried, basically, <laughs> what's the position he's going to play? This guy played like 97% of his slops, the slot, 90% of his snaps in college out of the slot. Uh, I still think Larry's going to play a lot of, you know, his snaps there. So I, I just question, is he going to be able to do the same things on the outside in the NFL? Or if they're going to go with this guy, the guys like Bryce Butler and JJ Nelson, you know, as vertical threats. Well, I just, I, and as I say, it's a great thing to be able to learn under Larry Fitzgerald. And if you're in a dynasty format, don't be afraid of it, especially if you can stash him. You know what? Look for him to be a guy that's going to – he's he's going to be the best wide receiver they have in three years. Okay. I agree. And I like I like Kirk this year, to be honest. I think he's going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of snaps. Um, maybe because they're kind of – in a rebuild and new guard and the whole thing. And it's like, we've seen what else we've had. Bryce Butler, come on. Um, you know, I like Jerron, whatever. But at a certain point, this isn't going to be a winning team. Um, they Their window kind of closed on them. I could see him having a, a, a lot of opportunities. Should we go to the next bracket? Let's do yeah. it. All right, wide receiver 61, Mike Wallace to Philadelphia. God, that guy's – this is like a 16. Ted Ginn Jr. is number 62. Michael Gallup. Wow, I didn't realize he did that high. at 63, rookie for Dallas. A John Brown, Baltimore at number 64. I think that's an awful one. And um, Muhammad Sanu at wide receiver 65. And Atlanta, we know that – and, you know, let's – do you mind if we go to the next? We do this as a 10 bracket. Go for it. Go okay. for it. Let's I mean, other, other... in a 10 bracket, because actually there's some players that are brought into the same mix. So Sanu is 65. 66 is Tyler Lockett. Seattle, uh, wide receiver 67 is Calvin Ridley, who um, locks up with the Muhammad Sanu that we were talking about. Um, Dante Moncrief, recently signed by Jacksonville. Next behind that, 69, is Ken, Kellen Cole. So we've uh, we just talked about D.D. Westbrook and these guys a little bit, but in the same zone. And then a wide receiver, 70, is Terrence Williams. <sighs> First off, before anything, we talk about uh, out of this batch of 10 guys, Mike Wallace through um, – I probably shouldn't have done Terrence Williams. I should have just gone to Moncrief, but um, – I mean, Cole – who would you want on your team? Who do you think has the best opportunity of being 
flat out in your starting lineup uh, more than a few times. Well, here's the thing. So especially if you're playing in leagues that are three wide receivers and I'm in leagues that are like uh, three wide receivers and then a super flex. Um, so you, where you could be starting four wide receivers. This is where I look for what's your special skill set. So, and you have the guys that have the deep speed, right? You got Mike Wallace, you got Ted Ginn, uh, you got a Tyler Lockett, you got Keelan Cole. But of those guys, I would look more toward a Ted Ginn just because of what um, you know they like to do or what, what uh, historically Drew Brees has liked to do with the guy with the deep threat. And Ted Ginn's actually added a little bit more to his game since he was just the one-dimensional guy. Mike Wallace I'm walking from uh, just because of the fact that it's Philadelphia and I don't like how crowded it is there for him. Um, Keelan Cole, definitely. We just talked about it. I think that's a guy that you would definitely want to jump on in that regard. And, and Tyler Lockett, you know, unassuming, but he's a guy that if you just get stuck playing him certain weeks, he gives you like three good games a year. So, you know, for those reasons, those are the guys that you like in those skill sets. John Brown doesn't really do anything for me. Sanu is more of a guy. If I'm looking for that steady guy that I want to plug in and get at least hopefully four or five points from in that flex week. You go that way. Calvin Ridley, if you're looking for building toward later, I just don't know that he's going to step in and have any type of an Amari Cooper type rookie season. Uh, I, I just don't see it. Yeah. Um, Mike Wallace, I think has a role. Ted Ginn role. Michael Gallup could be a guy who, you know, gets more targets than we think. You know, John Brown, we talked about the rest of that offense being a lot of, you know, question marks. Uh, When healthy, he's shown a pretty good skill set. So I think, you know, these are all just role players. Um, Keelan Cole is maybe the one guy who has a shot for a little more in my mind. And maybe Tyler Lockett after, you know, losing all those targets between, you know, Paul Richardson and Jimmy Graham, someone's going to have to step up seeing as how, you know, they signed no one and they drafted no one to catch the football. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah, I, like, I like the Cole. Um, a lot of, just because Stag Party's written a poem about him. Um, the Ridley thing, I think, it, 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 is it going to be remarkable? No, but this late, he could he could be able to carve out something for himself. I like a Ridley a little bit more than a Sanu at this point, um, just because they spent such a capital on him after we've been asking them to do that every year since Julio was drafted and they traded the farm to get him with what with the fourth or sixth sixth pick. Um, they finally went out and got a guy that everyone thought was the most NFL ready rookie again. I'm not saying you bet the house on him and you're too you, – I don't think he's going to do too much this year. But looking at this list, I think he smokes John Brown. Um, yeah, I like Ted Ginn, Gallup, and, and Ridley pretty much here. And Cole. Moncrief, I don't know. I could see that guy getting cut. Um, who knows? Wallace, I don't know why he chose that team. It's like they've just got too much talent. Do they even have like – secondary guys on defense on Philadelphia. How does it seem like they have so many running backs, so many wide receivers, so many quarterbacks, so many tight ends, and they drafted another one. 
Like, they, they only have they only have one player for every defensive position. <laughs> it just seems it seems like they have more players on their bench than other teams. Um, anyway, anything else you guys want to say? Is there a dude out of the, this bracket or even the bracket before that you're feeling like um, could be that dude that's just like your great pick deep in the draft? Bracket before. Maybe Tyrell Williams, uh, you know, again, if all the stars align. Yeah. What, why did they draft the other Williams? Was that the dumbest? Like, imagine what they – I don't – I'm not going to look at it. I don't know who they could have. But why did they draft that wide receiver last year in the seventh, I, with the seventh pick? I don't know. I guess you were expecting Keenan Allen to not come back, be healthy, and dominate. Um, could you imagine if they – because they're a good team now. And imagine if they just added like a sweet defensive cornerback or some awesome other or They're badass everywhere. Uh, they've got yeah. the best name of any team in the league when you look at it. Um, yeah. Uh, All right. While you're while you're thinking of that, we're gonna close out the last ten, or do you want to keep it at five? I want no more players. <laughs> you had enough. He's folded okay. up. He's folded like up that. camp. I like it. I like it. We can we can do that. Is there any? Is there anyone moving forward? We don't have to go to the next ten bracket, but maybe. And we we talked about this before the show. This would probably happen. Other guys deeper down. Doesn't matter how low it goes that you want to talk about. And I, I've got a few guys. And if we do that, I think it's a great way to close out the show. Yeah, um, I, I think Chris Godwin's a guy who's going to be ascending. It, it's just hard to write him in for targets right now if you think uh, Deshaun Jackson's going to be a part of the offense. But, you know, when, when Deshaun was banged up and when Mike Evans was banged up, Godwin was a guy who, who showed up. So I think that's going to earn him some more chances. I also think Albert Wilson could be, you know, the real replacement to um, – Jarvis Landry on the field ahead of a guy like Danny Amendola and who maybe, maybe he, uh, Ryan Tannehill just likes throwing it short. And maybe that's the guy uh, who gets involved. Uh, Dante Pettis is, you know, playing all three positions for San Francisco. So I think he's a guy who's going to be in the mix on the field a lot. One question uh, and, we got on that. We've got higher than him. I agree with you on Pettis. They obviously like him. They traded up to get him when there are still a lot of great players on the board. What do you think? We've got Trent Taylor, who's the slot receiver for San Francisco, um, a handful of picks ahead of him. What do you? We've already said we like Godwin, we like Garcon. How does that work out? It's more of, you know, I think it's Garcon, it's Goodwin, and then it's Pettis. But Trent Taylor is going to be a guy who I see falling a a little bit in the pecking order. But he he did show some nice things, uh, and he looks to have, you know, a Cole Beasley-like profile um, that allows him to get open, create separation quick. But the guy's sort of banged up now and suffered an injury late last season. I can't remember exactly what it is. Um, 
And that's one thing that's holding me back is this, this is a time you need to be out there with your team, especially, you know, when you're trying to break in Jimmy G, even though he broke the league over the last five weeks. <laughs> yeah, and, and you brought up another name that I like, and it's Cole Beasley, you know, who's yeah. wide receiver 80 for us right now. And I think that's probably going to go up uh, on our next one, you know, without Jason Witten, without Des Bryant and with, uh, Terrence Williams, stupid, and 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 what he did, you know, I, I you also you got to look at the the recency bias against him. His his was horrible last year. He saw his targets go from ninety eight in two thousand sixteen down to sixty three, uh, and only caught thirty six of those when he caught seventy five of ninety eight targets the year before. Still had four touchdowns when he uh, five is his career high, which he had the two previous seasons. You know, I think the year before the year before was when Dez broke his foot, like in week early in the season, and he saw a lot of targets, saw a lot of catches, and Dez is gone, and like you said, Witten's gone. I think I agree with you wholeheartedly. Is Beasley gonna ever have these out of this world games? No. Is his floor super uh, low? Yes. Is is his ceiling super low? Yes. But I think this is a guy that's going to put up some very consistent week-to-week high target. He's going to be like a, a Landry-type guy. If you get in the end zone, that gives you that extra push. Yep. That's all um, I got. <laughs> all right. Do you have guys? Because I got a couple. I, you, you named a couple of mine. John Ross. We were talking about him earlier before we started the uh, – no, maybe we were talking about him when we were talking about A.J. Green, but – John Ross, let's remember, he was a first-round pick last year, injured the whole year. I think he had one catch, um, maybe zero catches. This zero catches. He's, he's a good, good route runner. He's fast as fuck. They need him more than any wide receiver or passing duo. Cruz ever needed a player, maybe other than Matt Ryan needing – Ridley to be something and for Julio Jones, but I like Ross when you watch him run around and obviously he can stretch the field. And if they, I guess this goes back to all that stupid shit that we talked about earlier. They're just not innovative enough. This, at, yes, with the Bengals, but if they can pull their heads out of their asses, I like this guy. I mean, it's just like well, he did nothing last year and He's healthy now, and I hope that they just realize we got a toy. Let's help. Let's use this guy. Maybe like they used Ty- Tyreek Hill over the past few seasons over in Kansas City, and then all that does is open more shit up for AJ. Well, th- th- again, the question to me is you can like all of his skill sets. If he was on a different team, I, I-, I-, I just don't see where Marvin Lewis and this offense is going to get that smart and innovative enough to know how to utilize his skill set correctly. And I think that's the biggest problem. Maybe so. But one thing to all the listeners and you Houdini as well, again, OTAs and looking at some of the stuff he's been doing this month, check out some of the videos of that guy getting the ball thrown to him. And I was saying the same shit a year ago. I get it. He's not just a speed demon. He's not just an ex fly guy. This guy's got some fucking nice route running abilities, can cut on a dime, like he can stay healthy. He's 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 a little different 
for this fastest guy ever in a uh, in a combine. He's not just let him rip, send him thirty yards, and maybe he gets a a bomb thrown to him. All right. Um, my last guy is a Hall of Famer, Zay Jones. He's wide receiver number one in my opinion still today. Um, Calvin Benjamin is whatever. I think that uh, Zay Jones is the wide receiver one. Just not saying go high on him. He's obviously didn't have a great offseason, but if we've got him at wide receiver 777, it's probably because I like him a lot. That bumped him up. He's going a lot later than that. Zay Jones, um, hopefully a year and a half of post-draft drama and traumatic situations can uh, wake the guy up because he's a ridiculous wide receiver. Last guy I'm going to go, Terrell Pryor. If I like Pryor, I just don't think he's all of a sudden. I think last year was uh, a shitty deal. He bet on himself. He failed. He's betting on himself again because no one would give him any money. But Terrell Pryor Jr. on the Jets with uh, what we talked about, I kind of like him. That's all I got. Stays. You want to talk about anyone? It's like, no, I want the show over. <laughs> like you said. You're done? <laughs> Come on. For the listeners, one guy, Stags. Let's do it. One last I guy. Wasn't I the one who started this? He gave no, you three. He gave guy. you three. You're the one that's ending it. One last guy. Geronimo! <laughs> I like it. All right. Hey, Jordan everyone, Matthews. good show.